Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey gang, what's going on? Welcome to a Friday edition heading into the weekend of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us, Andrew Patterson with Michael Remus. And uh, we've got a packed show today. We've got a deal in the Canadian Football League. Marshall Ferguson's going to join us a little later on before the Marvel race. And coming up in just a few minutes, we'll do a quick hit with Farhan Lalji with the details of the agreement. And of course, that means it's time to get back to IG Field tonight. Bombers and Elks in the preseason opener for both clubs. 7.30 tonight down at the south side at the University of Manitoba IG Field location. We're also going to talk hockey the Battle of Alberta is over after five games. Remus and I will get into it right away. We'll also head to Edmonton, and my pal partner on the lock shop, Dustin Nielsen, will also jump on the program and talk about the Oilers, how they got it done, and maybe just uh, be in awe about the uh, performances of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl putting up historic point numbers in this run so far for Edmonton. Um, and, uh, of course, Ken Weave's going to join us for a little Friday trip to the buffet um, so lots of football, lots of hockey. We'll, of course, get ready for a do-or-die game for the Winnipeg Ice tonight as well. Um, so it's all coming up for the next couple hours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big thanks to all the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Cullion Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, opening day next Tuesday, Canadian Club, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. And speaking of Cool Bet, Dusty and I did just finish a new episode of The Lock Shop heading into the weekend, so you can check that on our social media channels or search Lock Shop wherever you get the podcast. Let's uh, get Remus in here and get things going. Remo, what's going on? I'm fired up. It's a Friday. The weather is lovely here. Um... But some great, some great, I don't I haven't looked at the forecast, some great uh, playoff hockey games, marble race, a number of great guests. Oh yeah, CFL kicking off. There's going to be a bomber game tonight. So very exciting time uh, here and uh, great seeing everyone in chat as well. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Happy Friday to you all. Don't forget to stick around and join us for the Marble Race at the end of the program. Always fun. If you haven't seen it before, you're not going to want to miss it. You'll get a chance to win a great prize uh, from Winnipeg Sports Talk and, of course, our friends over at Canadian Club. We will talk the CFL deal in just a couple minutes with Farhan Lalji. But first and foremost, Reem, just great to get that done. Ratification last night. Not huge changes to that original um, offer. Seems like there is going to be some significant changes to the ratio with the naturalized Americans, if you will. Uh, but a big signing bonus uh, or ratification bonus for the players that are there right now. A big benefit and the bottom line, a benefit to the league and the fans that we won't be talking about this for a minimum of five years, but a seven-year deal on the table going to get done. And uh, it's time to play some three-down ball tonight. Yeah, we thought that this was going to get sorted out. There's too much to lose for them not to. So we had heard it towards the end of the show that they were going to vote on the deal. Uh, they voted on it before the 11 central deadline. That's 12 Eastern. I wasn't surprised, but I was very, very happy to see the alert on my phone every you know, CFL insider who John Hodge, Dave Naylor, Farhan, they're all tweeting about it at the same time. I got the old TSN alert. I was, I was, I was pretty pumped. I mean, I wasn't doubting that they were going to do it, but 
it's nice to know that they were able to figure figure it out. Uh, it didn't seem like there wasn't anything too major that was uh, a hang up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll hear more some details on that with a quick hit with Farhan Lalji. I see Showtime in the chat. What's up? Told you, Hustler. Oilers would pull it off. Well, that they certainly did. The Edmonton Oilers are off to the conference finals, Reem. The team that the Jets swept last year at this very time is moving on. And listen, we'll talk about the Oilers and the incredible performances of Dreisaitl and McDavid and Hyman and Evander Kane. But I think this game last night will always be remembered for the goal that wasn't Blake Coleman seemingly getting the Flames ahead late in the third period, called off for a kicking motion. This might be one of the most controversial calls in playoff history. And if you talk to people in Edmonton, it was a great call. If you talk to people in Calgary, it's one of the worst calls ever. And I would say if you don't have any skin in the game for people that, for instance, are here in Winnipeg that don't have an allegiance to either of those clubs, a goal that whether or not you thought that it was a true kicking motion, I'm still absolutely stunned they took one took that one off the board. I agree with you, and it kind of sucks we're on the same page here. I was going to debate you about this, but I was of the impression that there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. They called it a goal. Um, you know, I have the rule here of the kicking motion, and here, here it is. It basically, that it says at the end, a puck that is directed into the net by an attacking player skate shall also be ruled into a goal as long as no distinct kicking motion is evident. This reminds me of a lot in NFL with, you know, the whole what is a catch, was it, <laughs> what isn't a catch. They had this thing called a football move, and everyone's like, well, what the hell is a football move? It's up to interpretation. It seems like a distinct kicking motion here is something that no one really knows what it is. To me, it looked like a guy who was going to crash into the net, and he tried to stop. And his skate hit the puck, which is allowed. And we've seen goals off the skate go in. And they look like he, you know, maybe nudged it a little. But uh, to me, that is allowed. And I, I liked the panel where they discussed it. I was on Team Elliot, although I agreed with BX that he tried to make it look like he tried to hide it. But that's allowed. You're allowed to direct it in with your skate. So it looked like he was stopping. His foot was on the ice. I don't think there was a distinct kicking motion. That was on me. And uh, I was surprised when they overturned it. I, I mean, the thing is, it was called a goal on the ice. Yes. I mean, there had to be, you know, definitive, a clear replay showing a distinct kicking motion. And I just didn't th think that it got there. Now, did he did he guide it in? Did he want to make sure that that puck went in and use his skate to do it? I mean, yeah. Did he need to? No. I mean, that was basically already in the net when he made that move. Now, I realize that doesn't technically matter. I just didn't think it was anywhere close to the threshold of taking a goal off the board. And, you know, that's one that will go down in the annals of this rivalry between Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, I see someone in, someone in chat saying Calgary got screwed worse than the Martin Jelena no goal back in the cup final against the Lightning. I don't know about that because that would have won the whole damn thing. But this almost was a Stanley Cup final type feel between these two clubs. 30 years, 31 years in the making of the Battle of Alberta. And uh, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that it ended with some controversy. All that being said, I'm choked that we won't get a game six back in Edmonton on Saturday night because these games have been so much fun, Reem. Uh, but Calgary's done. Edmonton moves on. 
And from a Calgary perspective, what the hell happened to Jacob Markstrom? And now what happens with Johnny Gaudreau? Lots of speculation that after that career year that he just had, Johnny Gaudreau might be not be in the mix for uh, for the Flames next year, deciding to uh, take a big, big offer on the unrestricted free agent market. Yeah, and just one more thing of kicking. I mean, we've seen a lot of goals go in off skates that you're not sure. So the consistency definitely lacking. And I do wonder if they address the if they address this going forward. As far as the Flames, Jacob Markstrom was not Vesna caliber. Um, he wasn't the player that we saw, and it was. And I don't think the Flames' defense though was as good as it was in the regular season either. Um, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle too much to handle. And for the Flames going forward, they have a really interesting cap situation. Matthew Kachuk, he's an RFA. He's due for a big raise. Johnny Gaudreau, uh, he's the UFA, and he just had the career season. Do they bring him back? I don't know if they can fit all these guys under the under the salary cap. So um, it's going to be you know interesting what happens with Calgary. It seemed to be their year. They were my pick to win the cup. Uh, I am. I was clearly wrong. Your bracket's busted. My Your bra- bracket my, is completely busted I, I, officially I was, as of last night. I was so good in round one, round two, not not as good. But if St. Louis pulls off the upset, we will see. But um, this seemed to be Calgary's year, and they fell short. And um, this is what you say to Calgary fans who are pissed off with the goal. This is what you say to them, Hus. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, may, might have been a goal, but look, Calgary didn't play that great the whole series. It was game five. They were down. They were down three one. They should have just played better for the whole series. It wasn't the wasn't the that's goal that decided take. it. That's wasn't the, the goal. worst take. <laughs> that's what you say to them to try to make them feel like it, like they weren't totally screwed on that call. That's what you say. Well, they should have just won the other games. It wouldn't have mattered. They shouldn't have given up. What? How many goals scored? Four in a minute. A minute. Sorry, one minute eleven well, seconds. Okay, let's just quickly talk about that. I I this this text that I got from our old buddy Joel Marcou pretty much sums it up lol what the f is going on <laughs> i think anyone watching that game was wondering that same thing four goals in one minute and 11 seconds um it, it almost seemed like a video game for a while in this series and especially in that crazy minute plus last night yeah uh, absolutely has um i i we don't know. It's like Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey where every shot is going in. These guys are shooting that like Johnny Gaudreau, just like on the ground. Oh, it's in. And like, you're not even celebrating because there's so, so many goals happening. Uh, the, I think that happened throughout the series. It was so wild. It wasn't quite the, you know, defensive battle and goaltending battle that we saw in the Calgary Dallas series where there weren't any goals. I mean, this was the opposite. It was the video game series. You do have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl putting the team on their back in a way that you associate more with NBA teams, not with NHL teams, you know, who players a forward maybe plays a third of the game. Um, So, I mean, it was incredible um, watching those guys do their thing. And the point total numbers for Dreisaitl and McDavid compared to the rest of the league are obscene. And Dreisaitl stats in this series, like... Is that the most ever in a in five games? I I haven't oh, yeah. looked, but I would think so. Yeah, seventeen points. He had three or more points in every game of this series against Calgary. Kind of a quiet four assist game last night. Leon Drysital finished with seventeen points in the five games, and now he and Connor McDavid each have seven goals and nineteen assists on the playoffs through twelve games. Remo combined fifty two points in a dozen games from two players 
as we'll talk about with Dustin a little later on, I mean, this is historic. It's almost like we're getting the 1980s replayed in front of our eyes in 2022, led by the high-flying Oilers. Well, we've talked a lot about the scoring resurgence this season. I mean, you talk about a guy being a point-per-game player. Like, is a point-per-game player that good anymore? I mean, it's not like uh, they're, what, like early, like when Jamie Benn's winning the Art Ross with under 100 points. Um, (laughs) Look at these scoring leaders here. McDavid, 26 points in 12 games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's more than two points a game Dre in the playoffs. Dre Seidel, 26 in 12. But the th- third place is Kucherov, 15 points in 11. And 15 points in 11 is pretty damn good. <laughs> but it's not 26 in 12. So um, I see comments in chat like, oh, they're not playing playoff-style hockey. McDavid and Dre Seidel are playing a different game of hockey compared to the rest of of the league. So if they, you know, they can score how like they're scoring, I mean, who cares how many you give up? And, and also we haven't mentioned Mike Smith credit to him. I mean, we kind of dumped on him uh, for certain, you know, misplays, but I mean, he's been good. He gave when up a bad to... goal every game. I yeah. mean, like, I think the struggles that Smith had and he was clearly the best goaltender in the series, just speak to how bad Jacob Markstrom was. And Markstrom and the advantage in net was a big reason why I thought Calgary went, was going to win this series and maybe not really even be pushed that much. They thought, oh, great, you know, he gives up six goals in the first game and they still win. Calgary's got it. No, that was just a sign of things to come, that he wasn't anywhere close to the guy that was the Vesna Trophy finalist. And I don't know, there's something about Edmonton uh, with Markstrom. His numbers against the rest of the league, elite. His numbers against Calgary or against Edmonton, ugly. And we're now talking about a body of work of like 18 or 19 games over the last couple of seasons. So I see Larry in chat. Matthew Kachuk in for a big raise. Where the hell was he in this series? Passenger at best. Yeah, for a guy that wants a massive, big money, long-term deal. Uh, and, and the type of player you would expect that would be at their best in the playoffs. This was not a great run for Matthew Kachuk. And really, that top line overall. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think what we needed was more Brady Kachuk in the stands. That game was in Calgary. Where was he? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, like uh, in wrestling when Paul Bear holds up the urn and The Undertaker starts going on a rampage and you know, is able to attack anyone. When Brady Kachuk is downing beers in the stands and they show it on TV, it's pretty... I mean, Matthew Kachuk scores hat-tricks. Where was that last night? And but in all seriousness, for Calgary, I, I that's what I banked it on. I mean, they had that top line. They had the, the other one with Madra Pani and Tafoli. They had secondary scoring. They had it all. I thought they did, but they couldn't quite do it. But I think it was the defense as well. Chris Tanev playing with... It's some ridiculous number of injuries. Uh... Oh, torn, he was torn yeah, He was, uh, listen, he, he, what a yeah. warrior he is. I mean, just to kind of be out there, but I mean, they didn't have it. By the way, Earl James in chat said that some guy got a Flames Cup Champs tattoo. Uh, man, uh, stop, okay, like we, <laughs> who are these bad. people that do this? If I was a, ta- I guess if I'm a tattoo artist and someone like asked me to do that, I guess if they're paying you, you're like, um, you're like, sure, I'll take the money, but like, you should get uh, have like a psyche evaluation if you're getting those. Like, what are we doing? Like, who's getting these? Like, so you can go viral on social. I did see that tweet. Someone got like a Flames 2022. I, so what's the play? Like, you get a tattoo, and then when it doesn't happen, you just get it covered up. Uh, you no know what? Knows? I guess, and I is guess the, the tattoo move? artist is like, yeah, you know what? You can come in when they don't win, and uh, we'll touch it up and turn it into something else. I, I guess that's the play. Is that the play? Like, I'm not a tattoo guy, but it's just the stupidest thing ever, and. 
it, it doesn't matter because people keep doing every year. It's like, oh, some guy got a tattoo of their team who didn't didn't win. That says they they were the champions that year. I've often said if it doesn't work out in the, the media stuff that we're doing, I do have a backup plan, a real growth business, and that is tattoo removal. I agree. There are so many bad tats out there that I think in the next little while are going to need to be covered up. Um, maybe set up shop right beside one of the tattoo shops and uh, you can make arrangements for people at some point to come back and have things reversed or switched around. Anyways, we'll talk much more about the Stanley Cup playoffs with Weber as well as Dustin Nielsen and Nick Alpgura coming up uh, in a minute. But first, let's get to Farhan Lalji uh, because we do want to talk about the big news last night that it is game on for the Canadian Football League. Uh, before we do that, do want to thank our friends over at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. It's game on for the fishing season. And Aikens Lake, they're going to have their busiest year ever dealing with uh, many postponements over the last couple seasons. Uh, but there is still limited availability this year. And of course, you can plan ahead for a world-class fly-in fishing experience here in the province of Manitoba next year with our friends over at Aikens Lake. Uh, give them a buzz. Uh, you can find them a more, just everything about Aikens Lake at AikensLake.com on, on uh, the internet. Or, of course, at Aikens Lake on Twitter. We're going to be heading out there a little later on, hopefully uh, coming back with some beautiful pictures of some big trophy fish over at our friends at Aikens Lake. Hey, uh, the gang over at Wallace & Wallace continues to be the leaders of Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door game, serving the city and province since 1946. Hey, if you need the property, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, They've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. Wallace and Wallace has every possible fence you could need. And hey, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as well. 452-2700. A Wallace and Wallace expert will make arrangements to come down and give you a free estimate. And you can also pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston or visit them online at Wallace fences.com and hey our friends over at vita health fresh market are ready for the weekend great prices on winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements beauty products and groceries and uh, we've got delicious lunch options as well vita market salads soups sandwiches and more not to mention great stuff for the barbecue with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken and hey they've got a brand new fully shoppable website myvita.ca uh, where you can buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. More hockey talk coming up. We'll, of course, get ready for this big ice game tonight, trying to extend their season and bring it back to uh, back to Winnipeg. But first up, let's quickly catch up with TSN's Farhan Lalji for more on the CFL and the CFLP agree uh, agreement that was ratified last night. Farhan, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I was still surprised that this got voted down initially. Um, was it pins and needles right to the final word from the ratification yesterday? Yeah, I think so, only because it got turned down the first time, right? So you just never know. But I think they felt pretty good about where they were. Uh, you know, they addressed some of the issues. You know, the first time it got turned down, while the ratio was a, a significant piece of it, there still were some other issues. And I think the ratification voters did matter because there were a lot of people who, you know, veteran players who felt that, look, I'm not necessarily going to see the benefits of this deal, the big benefits of the deal, because the revenue sharing is going to be, you know, not really kicking in until uh, two to three years down the road, right. In terms of what the players could see. So I think they did want some initial um, compensation right at the front end so they could benefit, but more than anything else, you know, the ratio was the big factor. And the fact that 
it went back to a previous proposal that had already been turned down. It didn't leave a lot of people nervous, right? So, um, but I, you know, I think once they were able to get the additional dollars and uh, you know the additional tweaks, even on the ratio piece of it, I think uh, it was enough to get it through. And I think people players realized, right? Like as much as everybody showed a lot of courage going out on strike the first time, if it happened again, um, it, you know, it would have been tough for players at that point, right? I mean, I think they felt they had a little bit of leverage because they knew the league didn't want to lose any games and any revenue as a result of games. But at the same time, um, if it did in fact happen, then I think the gloves would have come off as far as ownership was concerned. And I don't think anybody wanted to go there. Uh, it, it was quite clear that the ratio is a very contentious part of all of this right now. I mean, where did they end up and what does this mean for the future of Canadians in the CFL? I don't think it's going to change much at all, to be quite honest, right? What they wound up doing was they, you know, the, it, the rolling ratio concept, which is that 49% rule that a naturalized American could take up to 49% of a Canadian's snaps in um, up to up to two spots in the first year, and then it will go to the three spots, three of the seven in the second year, right? So, yeah, some guys are going to lose time initially, but at the end of the day, like all, all Canadian players say is they want an opportunity, right? They want a meaningful opportunity. Well, fifty-one percent of snaps gets you that, right? Like it gives you a chance to show that you can play, and uh, you know. Uh, so it, it depends. Like players will tell you that they don't want charity, right? So they, you know, that they're willing to earn their spot. They just want a fair opportunity to get it. So I think this gives them that. I've got to ask you. I mean, you're very connected to think, you know, with contacts in the PA. How united was the PA through this? And was there a divide between the Canadians and the American uh, players um, in the Players Association as to how it got done? Yeah, there was a bit of a divide. I mean, I think overall they attempted to be as united as they could, but I don't know how there can't be a bit of a divide, right? Like when the first vote got turned down, uh, you know, within an hour, I I think I had 11 text messages from American players um, expressing a level of frustration at the thought of losing game checks so that a ratio could be protected, right? Like, that's real. And I think everybody understands the, the Canadianness of the Canadian Football League, but, you know, what, there's, a, there's a philosophical impact and then there's a practical impact, right? And the practical impact isn't that huge here in that all 21 jobs are protected, right? So we're talking about the ability for a player to earn ratio-changing money you know, and it's, it's a small number, right? And even the guys that still play 51% of snaps, it's still, you're still going to be treated differently than just a rank and file special teams guy, right? So when you look at the actual dollars that it affects, right, we're talking about maybe, you know, three salaries that would go up and, you know, you maybe you're talking about $100,000 in total. So the practical impact is difficult to justify if you're an American player. The philosophical optics of it are something if you're a Canadian player, you're, you're going to really hang your hat on, right? So... Uh, I think there's some some challenges with that. I, I think there is. And look, I'm not telling you there's massive divides and there's going to be, uh, you know, a civil war in every locker room. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I, you know, I, I do think this put a strain on things. No, I, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't know how it couldn't. But the bottom line is they're moving forward, and um, you know, we've we've got a deal done. Uh, just as we finish up, Farhan, from a league's perspective, how important was this to get done on a long term and what were the wins for the league we've talked so much about the big wins for the players where does randy ambrosi and the league make out in all of this the league didn't have any big wins right you talk about this ratio element they wanted that roster flexibility they got that they got 12 practices 12 padded practices 45 minutes each and they got that and in exchange for that they gave up an additional two years on the health and safety benefit side and then they got the seven-year deal, which, you know, I think in the end is going to be better for both sides. 
Um, and, you know, I think the biggest winner on the seven-year deal part is the fans, because when you look at this, we're all sticky hearing about it, right? Like the oh. deal got negotiated in 19, right? We, so we had to deal with it then. Then 2020, they had to amend it for a season that didn't start. So we got that. Then 2021, we had to amend it again for a season that uh, did get played in a shortened fashion. And then we have to deal with it in 2022 and the deal itself expired, right? So I think fans are sick of this. And it does allow just some finality and an ability to move forward. And I think that's important for all of them, for everyone. I think that's the biggest win here. Amen to that. And uh, next time we'll be speaking, we can actually talk of what's going to be happening on the field this season. Farhan, really appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. Sounds good. Thanks. Great stuff from Farhan. We'll talk a little more CFL later on with Marshall Ferguson before we drop the marbles at the end of the program here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Going to get right back to some hockey talk. Uh, but I do want to thank the great support from our friends over at Culligan Water, who have been the experts in the water game here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba for over 65 years. Uh, they've got it all, whatever you need for the home, the cottage, the office, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services. Of course, commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or find them online at drinkculligan.com. And hey, we're heading into the weekend Weather doesn't look too good. Some rain over the next couple of days might be a great time to get ready to dominate summer, whether it's a boat, a golf cart, a hot rod you're working on. Manitoba Batteries got you set up for whatever you need when it comes to batteries. You'll be shopping local, and you'll get the best prices in town. Don't waste your time in the Costco parking lot or Canadian Tire. Shop local, 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787. And, of course, you can shop online, figure out everything you need on the website over at manitobabattery.com. All right, really looking forward to this next conversation. So much to get to coming out of this uh, last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs and heading into the weekend. And it is a pleasure to welcome in fantasy and NHL betting analyst for Sportsnet and the co-host of the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast, Nick Alberga. Nick, what's going on? It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Not too much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I don't know what's hotter, uh, Leon Drysaddle and the Oilers, or that fire behind you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. The uh, I think it might be Drysaddle and the Oilers. To be perfectly honest, um, this was a historic performance by this team, and I don't know. I mean, I'll be the first to admit. I mean, I thought the Flames were a more complete team. I thought they were more playoff ready, and I thought that they had a big advantage in goal. Uh, could not have been more wrong on that third point. I mean, Jacob Markstrom was terrible in this series. But when you talk about the Oilers moving on, it's pretty hard not to start off with 97. And of course, Leon Dreisaitl with 17 points in five games that I think caught a lot of people off guard as our jaws have been on the floor watching 97 as of late. Yeah, and to boot at that, like it sounds like Leon Dreisaitl's dealing with some sort of ankle injury, perhaps a high ankle sprain. I think anybody who's dealt with an ankle injury knows, you know, how much that impacts you. And to get 17 points in five games is unbelievable. And I think the way Connor McDavid has been playing, it's sort of been overshadowed, if you can believe it. Again, 17 points in five games. It's funny. And, and you know, you laugh just saying that. But yeah, like I was thoroughly impressed. Like I, I think you, you, you tip the old chapeau to the Edmonton Oilers, came to play. I can't remember a series where the goaltending on both sides was just downright atrocious, but we expected it. Like, you look at Mike Smith's numbers, there's no way that team should have won a game. But kudos to them. They had the offense. And uh, I'm very, very, you know, interested, fascinated, and, and sort of happy, you know, in, in my scope of watching hockey to be able to see Connor McDavid, Leon Settle, and others in the Final Four. I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, I mean, it certainly does set up, I mean, a star-studded matchup if the Avalanche get through. We'll talk, get to that series in a minute. What were your takeaways from the Flames? Because honestly, I mean, we've talked a lot about this team this year, the way they completely turned things around from not even making the playoffs in the Canadian division last year to being a legitimate cup contender going into the playoffs. And listen, goaltending is a huge part of the story of this round. But they also had the best line in hockey all year. And mm-hmm. there was plenty of stretches where there wasn't a lot happening, despite the fact that anything can happen when you get pucks on Mike Smith. Way too many passengers. Uh, I think you're bang on. I know a lot of people are making a lot of the uh, kick goal last night. Um, I still think Calgary loses that series, even if they win that game. I, I just think they had way too many passengers. Like Chris Tanev was playing injured, as we know. I think you look at the full spectrum of that series. Where was Matthew Kachuk after the first game where he had a hat trick? Where was Johnny Goodroll? Like he finally scores his first goal last night. But, you know, when you're looking at the other side of the ice and you're looking at their big boys and every night they seem to show up and then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, well, I showed up in maybe one of five games. I think the proof's in the pudding right there and obviously a big reason um, you know, why Edmonton's advancing here in five games. Their big boys stepped up every night, it seems. Their depth pieces as well. And I think with, with Calgary, there's just way too many passengers. And then on top of that, like, I feel like the Flames really lost their identity. I think if you saw the regular season, how that team played, whether it was a defensive game or an offensive game, they just seemed to have a grasp of the game. And there wasn't even a point even in the Dallas series where it felt strongly and confident about that team. So I think along the way, for some reason, they've lost their identity, and ultimately, I think it cost them this season. And, and you know what's so interesting? You know, we've talked a lot about this season being sort of a perfect storm for Calgary. Um, Johnny Gaudreau, potentially having played his last game in Calgary last night, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, the performance of Matthew Kachuk in the playoffs, I mean, listen, he needs to be qualified at $9 million. He's in a great spot. He's going to be making a lot of money. But as far as that, long-term deal at super elite money. Um, the body of work in the playoffs, I don't think is going to help the agent uh, grind teams for a little, a couple more zeros. Call me crazy, but I, I think this is going to be a difficult decision this summer. You either re-sign Johnny Goodrow, give him what he wants, or it's Matthew Kachuk. I don't think it can be both, especially in this cap world. And I don't know if it wants to be both. Like, I don't know how Kachuk feels. There was the whispers last off season that he wanted out. Uh, maybe he's trending towards free agency at some point in time. You know, ditto for Johnny Goodrow. I think ever since he came into this league, it's been, oh, he's going out east to play for Jersey or play for Philly or play for, you know, somebody along the coast there. So, you know, that's a curious thing for me, but I think they have big decisions ahead in terms of how they want to play. And I tell you, watching that winning goal, what a flyby by Johnny Goodrow. That's a tough sell in free agency, if you ask me. <laughs> Don't I'll just Ooh. point to all the points that he rolled up in the regular <laughs> season and uh, hopefully it gets him his deal. Uh, hey, there's going to be tons of interest. I mean, he was basically a legitimate yeah. heart uh, candidate this year. Uh, but everyone forgets that when you lose to your arch rival in five quick games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oilers are there. We'll see whether Colorado makes it tonight. I'm still buzzing over the comeback of the St. Louis Blues. And, of course, we're here in Winnipeg. They're a big rival of the Jets. Not a lot of love for the Blues, Bennington, that entire crew. But I got to tell you, I mean, the way that they gutted that out, coming back from a 3-0 deficit, and then the shock and awe of maybe the goal of the playoffs by Nate McKinnon and tying it up and winning it in overtime. Fascinated about this Game 6 matchup, Nick, in that, you know, despite being down 3-2, and completely losing their composure in games three and four on home ice, 
I think the Blues have a lot of momentum coming out of the way they won game five going into tonight. And I'm not convinced that this doesn't go back to Denver for game seven. I don't disagree with you. I think we should preface by saying, believe it or not, it's been 20 years since the Colorado Avalanche have played in a conference final. I think much similar to the Leafs being allergic to round two, I think Colorado's allergic to round three, if you know what I'm saying. So obviously there's some demons in that closet. Um, They're going to have to answer to that tonight. I think the fascinating thing about Colorado too is like Nathan McKinnon always seems to show up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like the conversation is a lot different than other upper echelon players in this league where you know, when it matters most, they're not there. We just talked about it with Calgary. You can't say that about Nathan McKinnon. I thought he was tremendous the other night, three goals and an assist and ultimately the collapse. But it's not like we haven't seen that before from Colorado, right? It's like, a, you know, it's like they get bored. It happens a lot in the regular season where they'll be up like 4-5-1 in a game and then blow it. Having said that, they have to put their foot down tonight. I, I totally agree with you. If this series goes seven, they're in trouble, clearly. Uh, being up 3-1 in this series, a uh, good one. But like... I just think you look at this team, I think they're different. Um, from day one to start the year, I picked Colorado to win the Stanley Cup. I, home, I, I hold firm with that. They have a lot of depth. And I'll put it this way. there's a re- you know The biggest reason why I think Colorado wins tonight is the goaltending. Um, clearly, Jordan Binnington ha- was the better option. He's unavailable. Billy Huso's averaging like four or five goals against over the last five games. And I think when you're playing the big boys in Colorado, I just have more faith in Darcy Kemper to make a stop than I do Billy Huso. Well, it's funny, and I mean, that's, I mean, Huso was the better goaltender all season, but, you know, in yeah. the playoffs hasn't been. And and I'll be honest, I'm still not entirely sold on Kemper. I mean, I think he's got a great spot. He's playing for arguably the best team in the league, but there has been times, like we saw in game number five, that, you know, one or two will get through, which gets us to a potential Edmonton-Colorado series. And Listen, I know we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves, but heading into yeah. the weekend, interested in your thoughts on what that series looks like, the Oilers' chances to win, and if you're a bookmaker, how high you're going to have to set the total in these games, uh, because I'm telling you, it'll look like a different sport than what we're seeing between Carolina and the Rangers right now. I can count on that. Oh, I will concur with you on that front. And, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation yesterday doing a hit on a betting uh, you know, platform, and we were joking that the, the total is going to be at 7.5 to start. I think it's probably going to be at 6.5 to start, at which point you're going to favor the over, it's going to hit, and then everything is going to go ballistic. But you thought the Battle of Alberta was fun? Just way to a potential Colorado and Edmonton series. So the Oilers are through. Um, we just mentioned St. Louis is going to play Colorado tough. And, well, again, the numbers are, the, are are what they are. The fact that, again, it's been 20 years. So they've got their work cut out for them against a well-seasoned Blues team who won the Stanley Cup a couple of years back. So I'd never count them out. But just the prospects of seeing that series, especially in a conference final, um, I think is great for business in general. To have McDavid against McKinnon maybe on top of their games, respectively, in their careers. You have Dry Settle, you have Ranton, and you have Landeskog. Zach Hyman's been fantastic here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. What a story Evander Kane has been. You want to talk about the signings of the season, in season at least, Evander Kane and the value and in which the product he's brought to the Edmonton Oilers. And then the goaltending, right? As you just mentioned, you know, whether it's Darcy Kemper, maybe it's Francois, you never know at this point. But I think you have to favor the, uh, you know, the over. I think there would be a lot of offense in that type of series. And I think there's obviously some serious X factors on both sides. Well, that is going to be the primetime matchup, assuming Colorado gets through. And then in the East, you got the Rangers and Carolina basically playing a carbon copy of the Carolina <laughs> series against Boston, where the home team won every single game. 
And meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning are chilling with their two Stanley Cup rings with a week off after disposing of the Panthers. Quickly, on the Battle of Florida, which was basically over before it begun, what a dud from the Panthers. Yeah, that was like a poop emoji if you're texting. Like, honestly, you know, with a, with effect too, right? Have you ever sent those with effect? Like, a butt, like it's, I don't know. I, for all the conversations, and maybe it's just the market, there's not enough play right now. Like, Florida was the President's Trophy winners, and they, they did deliver the poop emoji against uh, the Battle of Florida, their, their arch nemesis for the second straight year at that. And again, obviously, Andre Vasilevsky is such a difference maker. And I thought Florida really got going in game four, but it's too late when you're down three love to a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cups. I can't believe it just shows you like how amplified things are in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can throw every regular season statistic out the window. They were fifth in the regular season on the power play. Postseason, different story. One for 13 in the series. One for 31 overall. Is not going to hack it, especially when you have Jonathan Huberto, Sasha Barkov. You know, you know, credit credit to Sergei Bobrovsky because to me that was going to be the story of the series. Could he make a save? I thought he was actually ultimately pretty good. I just I wondered about Aaron Ekblad's health from the back end and the depth scoring that Florida possessed all season long while they were shut down by Andre Vasilevsky. So not that surprised because it was Tampa. More so shocked that the Panthers didn't put up much of a fight in that series. Well, and, and you know what? Speaking of goaltending and Vasilevsky's numbers in the last oh. seven clinching games. He has six shutouts and gave up one goal to the Leafs. One goal in seven wins of these clinching series. And to be honest, that's why I jumped on the value at plus 140 for Tampa. I mean, listen, I think they've got a huge advantage from the coach, and I think they had a huge advantage in net, and they were a pretty damn good team as well as Florida was, and you know we saw the way that went. Which leads me to asking you about this. Let's just say Tampa makes it through, and mm-hmm. you know, you've got, you know, they're in the cup final against either Colorado or Edmonton, how significant do you think that goaltending advantage for Tampa Bay will be in the cup final? Because I think it is about as big of a discrepancy as any other aspect of the game. And we all know how important the guy between the pipes is. Exactly. And again, there's a reason why he's once again involved in the Smythe conversation, right? I think that's a big time X factor, regardless of who you play, considering who's on the other side. Um, I think even moving forward to the Eastern Conference final, like I think a better matchup if, if the team is going to beat Tampa, I think it's probably the New York Rangers because they have the number two goalie in the world in Igor Shostorkin. And then you you look at Carolina, we're really ripping on their former goalies uh, on this hit. But Antti Ranta has been an excellent story, but he's another guy's mentioned, right? Um, I think that would be a big-time difference maker. Quite honestly, I had Carolina and Colorado in my Stanley Cup final going into the playoffs, going into the regular season at that. But I'm starting to waver just more so because of the Mariano Rivera-type appeal for Andre Vasilevsky. You just mentioned the numbers. The guy shut down. Uh, I'm very, very curious to see if this team can get over that hump once again in the conference final, get to the Stanley Cup final, because this guy is is locked down. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's remarkable what he's put forth. And I don't know about you. Like I'm ready to have Andre Vasilevsky on my Mount Rushmore of goalies. Like I think he's that good. And I think it's really underplayed. Maybe it's the market he plays in, but the guy's exceptional. And maybe it's also a byproduct of the players in front of him, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes if you're playing an incredibly talented team with a bunch of others sure to be Hall of Famers, you don't get the credit that you deserve. And that's a big reason. I mean, taking it back to the Oilers, why you'd see votes split between McDavid and Dreisaitl. And frankly, Dreisaitl, who is a generational player of his own, uh, maybe not getting the credit he deserves with the 50-goal seasons and the Hart trophies that he has right now. Hey, quickly, uh, this Rangers-Carolina series... 
is, as we mentioned, I mean, it's just teams holding serve uh, at home. Do you think the Rangers get it done at MSG? And, um, mm. I mean, the, the chances of winning two in a row against Carolina um, on the back of Chesterkin, because I think that's one area where the Rangers have a big advantage. Although, if you look at the game last night, they're going to have to get a few more pucks on the other net if they expect to win. Yeah, this is a tough read for me. I know you're in the betting world as well, and certainly the data suggests that we're going to a Game 7, but I think ultimately Carolina is so good, we're waiting for that team to finally win a game on the road, right? I think a lot of people peg this team to be a significant contender for the Cup for a reason. Um, I think the numbers suggest the odds are in their favor of finally winning a road game, and I think the Rangers squandered a big-time opportunity. Again, as you just mentioned, Igor Shostorkin has really, really heated up in this series. Uh, offense has been as a pre- at a premium. I think the big-time thing as well, Carolina finally scored a power play goal. Like The fact that they have nine goals aside in this series, one power play goal for Carolina, three for the New York Rangers. Obviously, the, the bright lights of Broadway for Game 6. I'm leaning towards Carolina to take this series in six, and I should preface by saying that I did have Carolina in six before this series started. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes seven again because of the data and the trend. We see that Carolina seven and zero at home and zero and five on the road. It makes absolutely no sense. But for somebody as myself who views this team as a legitimate contender, I think they have to find a way at some point in time to prove they can win a road game. How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, I mean, 100%. And I think no matter who wins this, they'll be a significant underdog to Tampa yeah. for the reasons that we've mentioned before. Um, but it has been puzzling because, I mean, you look statistically, home ice in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I mean, it's great atmosphere, but it doesn't really translate to completely lopsided wins and losses record, except for mm-hmm. the Hurricanes. I mean, their goal differential, their shot, like everything, it's like night and day from home ice to playing on the road in back-to-back series. And to be honest, it's a bit of a head-scratcher because, I mean, there's not... I mean, you can't tell me that the line matchups for Rod Brindamore at home is making that big of a difference over the course of a month. It's a storm surge, I guess. That's your that's your answer. It's a celebration after. You know, I even wonder, too, like, if it is... If it goes on to be Carolina, and I believe the rate... Like, I think both sides, correct me if I'm wrong, would have home ice advantage in a conference final. And that's the curious part for me. Like I was, I was stunned and shocked. And I know it's the polarizing Maple Leafs. Why Tampa was the underdog in round one, why they were the underdog in round two when they won back to back Stanley cups and now potentially advancing to round three. I wonder if they can be the favorite as the road team in this series. I I would be shocked if they're not, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of fool me once, fool me twice. I mean, figure it out people. I mean, you know, and and I think the public will bet it that way. And I think the books will almost, no, the odds might be a little closer, you know, if they've got three games on the road as far as home. But I mean, I think regardless of who wins, especially with the rest that they've earned from a four game sweep of the team that did more winning than anybody else over the course of the regular season. Nick Alberga is with us. Nick, uh, folks, give him a follow on Twitter. One of the best handles in social media, (laughs) at the Golden Muzzy. Um, Nick, fill our uh, listeners and viewers in on where they can find out more of your content. Yeah, so I'll answer that question too because I get that question a lot, why the Golden Muzzy? It was sort of something that I put on myself years ago when I was getting into broadcasting. Um, you know, a teacher told us to make a social media account. And I was like, how about the gold muzzy? It was Movember, the mustache. I was younger, came in a bit yellow. I was like, let's go with the gold muzzy. It won't stick. And now suddenly 11, 12 years later, it has. So I can't change it. Although it's it's grown with me. People call me muzz and stuff like that. As for where you can catch my stuff, uh, currently doing daily prop pieces for sportsnet.ca in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So look out for that 
on a daily basis and also co-hosting the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast alongside Pete Jensen under the NHL umbrella. So suffice it to say, even though I'm freelancing, I am keeping busy. Good stuff. Say what's up to Pete. He was always a favorite as well. And uh, really appreciate you coming on. Let's do this again sometime, Nick. Let's do it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great weekend. Oh, great stuff. There it is. The Golden Muzzy on Twitter. Nick Alberga (laughs) joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're going to stick with some hockey. Weaver's coming up. We'll fill up the buffet, and uh, he'll be ready to go in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, But we're also going to head out to Edmonton and talk a little bit more about the uh, big win with Dustin Nielsen. How could we not have Dusty on? Both getting ready for CFL season next week. He will be calling the Bomber Rider game on TSN on Tuesday and uh, But we'll talk about the team that, uh, let's just say they had quite a bit of fun this morning on the old Nielsen show. Hey, a big shout out to our friends over at Royal Sports. They are so ready for the weekend and ready for summer. Uh, if you're a soccer player, softball player, baseball player, you want to get into tennis, maybe take up disc golf, they've got everything you need to enjoy the time outdoors to the max, not to mention the best selection of licensed merchandise around an expanded fitness section and a great selection of bikes with more stock coming in by the week. Royal Sports has it all. Pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway or check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales. Let's do a quick Breezy Bend golf update for you and check out what's going on over at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Crazy, crazy round for Nick Taylor. Uh, Nick was right at the top of the leaderboard after round number one. Went out today in 30 with five birdies on the front nine. Came in with a 41 (laughs) with four bogeys and a double on his final hole. So uh, the Canadian's still in. He's three under. He'll be playing the weekend. Leader right now, Scott Stallings and Bo Hostler at nine under par. Pat Perez and Chris Kirk at seven. And Victor Hovland and Cam Davis, along with Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Reed right now at six under par. Breezy Bend, of course, great sponsor of all of our golf reports on the program. Find out more on making Breezy your permanent golf home and getting on that waiting list right now at breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call over at the course. And hey, heading into the weekend, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, Saturday might be a great day to pop by and see the experts at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Whatever you're looking for, they will help you source it out and get it at the best price. And not to mention, check out the incredible selection of vehicles, including a number of Teslas and electric vehicles, all there at Not Auto Corp. Pop by and visit them at Waverly and McGilvery or find out more online at not.ca. All right, the buffet will be loaded. We'll have our daily inquisition on Trot's Watch with Ken Weave and get Ken's thoughts on uh, this game six between the Blues and Avs coming up, as well as a little bit of ice chat and more. Uh, but as promised, let's head out now to Edmonton and catch up with my pal, our partner on the Lock Shop, new episode available right now. And uh, the host of the award-winning Nielsen Show, which uh, did a big victory lap today after the Oilers won the Battle of Alberta. Let's welcome in Dustin Nielsen right now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You must have had some fun with LTE this morning and uh, <laughs> Oilers fans on the uh, on the old Nielsen Show. What's the uh, what's the vibe like in Northern Alberta after winning the BOA? The vibe today would have been great if Calgary lost to anybody else in five games in the second round. 
but it was the Edmonton Oilers in Calgary with a goal scored by Connor McDavid after winning four games in a row. Leon Dreisaitl sets an all-time record for points in a uh, playoff series. Zach Hyman scores in every single game. And about game three, people anointed Connor McDavid the greatest hockey player of all time. So it's been a pretty good 10 days in Edmonton, Huss. No doubt about it. And listen, we'll obviously spend a lot of time talking about McDavid. But you just nail it. I mean, that 17 points in five games for a guy that we weren't even sure would be able to play in this series. Is Leon Dreisaitl's brilliance getting kind of overshadowed by Connor McDavid and what he's done right now? Because I don't think enough people are talking about what 29 has done in addition to the brilliance of 97. Yeah, it's. I think I watched the game last night. And all of a sudden, they're like, Leon Drysaddle's got four assists now after the game. I was like, what? Drysaddle <laughs> had four assists tonight. I think he two goals, fifteen assists in this series. And you know, it looked it was weird because coming into the series after that series against Los Angeles, you're setting the Battle of Alberta and Calgary's coming in hot after winning Game Seven. And you know, the big discussion point here in Edmonton was. Oh boy, you know, if the others were healthy and if Leon Drysaddle was healthy, it might be a little bit of a different story. But they might be in tough. Uh, and then, and I mean, not only did he, you know, he didn't look 100%, but it almost looked like he got healthier throughout the series. And, you know, let's say he's 75%. He put up 17 points in five games. Like, it's it's an unbelievable storyline. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and then, of course, 97. I'll ask you this. I mean, people in the chat have been talking about it all week. I mean, the Jets swept this team last year. Now, it was much closer than what most sweeps yeah. are, as we know. But... I mean, how different is this team right now than they were back then? And how big of a part of it is uh, Clean Cheeks himself, the uh, Jay Woodcroft, the uh, the new head coach that I don't know, a lot of people weren't too familiar with. But, I mean, the job that he's done has just been absolutely remarkable. Yeah, we've also dubbed him the smirky one because he likes to smirk a lot. Um, what a power look, move, by the way, with Sutter after. Oh, I mean, he was ready for that handshake. Gates open, hands on the hip, arms. He's just, he's become a legend here in three months in this city. Um, it's funny because, I mean, let's just cut to the chase for starters. Markstrom was not Connor Hellebuck. And Connor Hellebuck was really good in that series. He was far from but, it. Yeah, he, oh, man. Markstrom... Markstrom struggled mightily. The team in front of him was no, no better. However, you know, Jay Wood, the Oilers aren't where they are right now. If Dave Tippett's still the head coach, I think it's as simple as that. Jay Woodcroft has come in and just managed this team, this roster, all these individual players way better. So it starts there. Uh, you also got Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle both who I think have been sick and tired of losing. I think they took that sweep last year to heart. And Connor McDavid, I think after game two or three, we were talking about how he's kind of merged into this combination of Gretzky and Messier with the skill level, obviously. And then the leadership that he's shown leading the team and hits through the first couple of games of the Battle of Alberta. Like McDavid has elevated his game. And then on top of that, man, Zach Hyman and Evander Kane. They did not have Zach Hyman and they did not have Evander Kane last year. And those two guys certainly could have made a difference because they made a huge difference in well, the playoffs so far in general, but specifically in that battle of Alberta. So from the coach to elevation from their top end guys to two significant pieces up front. I mean, those guys are their third and fourth best forwards. It's, it's not even debatable and they've been huge. And Hyman, you know, it's funny because again, you know, I'm saying, oh, we're not talking enough about Dreisaitl because of all the things yeah. we're talking about with McDavid. But Zach Hyman, I mean, they thought that he would be a good fit so often than not, more often than not, those big swings in free agency 
often end up being gross overpays and don't work out, certainly to the value of the contract. He has just been exactly what the Oilers needed. A, a quiet leader, a guy doing every one of the things that, you know, a coach wants out of a guy and now getting this sort of production as well. Um, sounds like it was a pretty good move making the move from uh, out west. Five and a half mil. Like five and a half million dollars and watch Zach Hyman in these playoffs. And he's got six years left after this. I don't know if all six are going to be like what he's been able to do in the playoffs, but Hyman and Woodcroft, like last night's a perfect example. Jay Woodcroft going into last night's game had the hottest line in the national hockey league in dry settle Kane and McDavid. Well, they fell behind and what did he do? He broke up the best line in the league to get Zach Hyman up onto that line, moved Kane down with Nugent Hopkins, put Zach Hyman up with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I think it's because, you know, Zach might just be a little bit more tenacious and consistent than Evander Kane. And it paid off. I mean, he had a three-point night. Like I mentioned, he scored in every single game. And we had a lot of fun this morning saying that the Toronto Maple Leafs could really use a guy like Zach Hyman. And um, it worked out pretty well for the Edmonton Oilers. Hey, one other guy we should mention, and he was huge in the game four win, was the Nooch. And I heard you and Eric talking about him. This is a guy that's been through some real low moments from the from the get-go and signed what I think most people would agree was a pretty team-friendly deal, albeit for eight years to stick around. Uh, is, is there some pretty strong sentimental value for uh, from fans to see Nuge finally get a chance to, you know, have some good times as opposed to what he's dealt with for the better part of the last decade? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason, you know, the sayings in town, everybody loves Nuge and keep Nuge forever. And that's essentially what they did. And, you know, he didn't have a great regular season. He only scored 11 goals in like 63 games in the regular season. And there are people who, who look at it and go, you got to move Nuge if you're going to keep Evander Kane around. And so there's there's this weird, small little group of people who, for some reason are pretty critical of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Maybe that's because, you know, he's a first overall pick and, you know, never blew up to be that 80 or 90 point guy. Um, but this dude is a survivor. Like think about sitting here through all of it. You know, you talk about the decade of darkness. He's the only guy who survived the decade of darkness and has literally never complained once. Like last year at the, at the end of that sweep, it was, and he didn't even really complain, but he's just like, oh, yeah, it's disappointing. People are like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ryan Nugent Hopkins is really frustrated right now. And he really didn't even say anything. Like, that's the closest it's been. He's just shut up. He's gone about his business. You know, he, he plays on the top unit power play. It's better when he's there. When they don't have him, it looks a little disjointed. He comes out over the boards to start every single penalty kill. And he's played the wing for most of the season. Uh, but when they brought in Evander Kane, what does he do? He accepts a third-line center role. Centers the third line with a bunch of young guys and a bunch of guys who certainly aren't the Hymans and, and Vander Canes of the world. And then when they decide to put Drysaddle up with McDavid, what happens? Well, you slide him back up to the second line center position, and he's had two pretty good games here. So he's just very versatile, and he's not the guy that's going to change a team, but he's a guy that you need on a team, and that's what he's been. Dustin Nielsen's with us from Edmonton. Oilers move on to the conference finals. I I expect it to be the Colorado Avalanche, although I think it might need to go to seven for them to get that done. Can the Oilers beat the Colorado Avalanche? I mean, uh, where we're at right now and goaltending, I mean, where are you at with Mike Smith? I mean, he still would make me nervous somewhat, but he's gotten the job done so far. I'm just not sure that they can count on a Markstrom-like performance in the other net against a team like Colorado. 
Yeah, I mean, it's okay to be nervous about a guy who led in a shot from 132 <laughs> feet away. Like, even even last night, like, I thought he was okay last night, but they they get up, they have all this momentum, and then Johnny Gaudreau scores a stinker last night. You know, like, Mike Smith has been, his numbers have been pretty good so far in the playoffs. I think if they're going to beat whoever they play next, he will need to be better. He'll need to have his best series. Uh, it's a weird vibe right now because the Oilers have actually played Colorado very good this year. I mean, they, they put up 50 shots a couple games ago, and Kemper stopped 49 of them. Uh, if St. Louis was to get through, St. Louis would be coming in with a ton of momentum after you know coming back from three one deficit, knocking off the Stanley Cup favorite. St. Louis has a core that has won a championship in the past, and St. Louis is probably better suited to shut down the Oilers as opposed to just run and gun with them against Colorado. So it sounds bizarre, and I think Colorado's probably going to be the matchup, but I don't mind the Oilers and Avs. I think that'd be a heck of a series. Well, I'll tell you what, it is going to be, I mean, just for hockey fans without any skin in the game, let's get McDavid and let's get McKinnon going head to head for seven games and may the best man and the best team go on to the Stanley Cup final. Dusty, thanks for doing this. And uh, hey, busy week next week. We've got CFL. We'll be talking games on the lock shop and uh, I guess you'll be back in the booth for TSN. Tuesday. Bombers fans, Tuesday. I've got that game Tuesday. And then uh, I think I got Riders, Lions next Friday in Vancouver. So right back at it, buddy. Can't wait. Can't wait. Have a great one today. Thanks for doing this. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. Great stuff with my guy, Dusty. Don't forget to check out the latest edition of The Lock Shop, which is up wherever you get your podcasts, or you can pop by and check it out on uh, myself or Dustin's social media feeds over on Twitter. All right, the buffet is getting loaded up. Kenny Weave is about ready to join us. Maybe we'll uh, put out some little brown jugs with the buffet today. Although Ken's got a very busy weekend coming up. I think he's got some things going on. We'll let you know about that. I did, however, head down to Little Brown Jug yesterday. Got a chance to meet with our friends. We are planning a live show next month at Little Brown Jug. We'll give you details on a Friday afternoon. Maybe you can come down and join us for both the program and a couple afterwards and i tried that cider i've been telling you about and man was it good they've just launched it it's fermented for four and a half months from cold pressed apples from an ontario orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast dry and refreshing and it's gluten-free uh so highly recommended loved it but there are so many new products available for little, little brown jug including the cider queer beer saison hefeweizen and folk fest lager stop by their tap room or patio over on william avenue to try one of their new delicious brews and of course you can also check out everything little brown jug has going on on their website at littlebrownjug.ca you can also order for home delivery there um as weber gets ready to pop in here big night tonight bomber game Ice game, no better spot to uh, post up if you're following a number of sports than our friends over at Boston Pizza. Happy hour from 3 to 6 might be a great place to uh, start the weekend. And, of course, if you're staying at home, you can always order the great taste of BP online and check out their game day deals at bostonpizza.com. And, hey, with the uh, with the sunshine here and some warmer temperatures, it's blizzard time. It's always blizzard time with our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. But especially right now, make sure to try the new Royal Blizzards with a chocolate or peanut butter center filling. I'm definitely trying one this weekend. I'll report back to you. Uh, after the weekend, but you can get one as well. Four locations for Nick and Nikki, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And of course, you can also order cakes in advance online at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. All right, it's Friday. 
Let's get Weber in here and uh, saddle up to the buffet. Had plenty of hockey topics to get to. Ken, what's up, man? How are you? Fully hydrated and ready to go? <laughs> oh, it's great to be with you as always. Uh, it is a beautiful Friday. Uh, patio season officially looks to be launched here in uh, Peg City. And uh, yeah, some fun hockey both in the rearview mirror and uh, on the horizon. Yeah. Okay, listen, we're going to get to uh, your gig for round three, <clears throat> as well as the Stanley Cup playoffs in a minute. <clears throat> but we waited for the daily edition of Trot's Watch until you joined us. People have been asking. I said, don't worry, we will get to it. Um, yeah. Listen, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Been interesting following these stories. What is the latest on the Jets' pursuit of Barry Trotz, as well as other NHL teams' pursuit of the <laughs> um, most attractive free agent coach right now in hockey? Yeah, Huss, uh, status quo on a lot of fronts, I believe. And as we've been talking about for uh, for a while, uh, it's a methodical approach being taken by Barry Trotz. Uh, we know this is a guy who has some his eyes set on management uh, down the road, so uh, he's not looking to rush into anything. Uh, we know that he has had his meeting with the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, colleagues Jeff Merrick and Elliot reporting, or Friedman reporting that. Uh, also expected to be on the dock at the Dallas Stars, the Detroit Red Wings, and I think we'll be waiting to see what happens in Florida, uh, what the decision on Andrew Burnett's future is. Uh, it's not often you would see a Jack Adams candidate uh, be you know, not, uh, not renewed, uh, but, uh, you know, early exits uh, or what would be a normally or an early exit for someone with Stanley cup aspirations. And given the circumstances, uh, I would think that uh, they will be considering, you know, Barry Trotz as well. But at the same time, I think Andrew Burnett did a great job under uh, some very difficult circumstances there. And uh, when a lot of your big guns don't show up, it's uh, tough to get by uh, the Tampa Bay lightning as we found out. Uh, also to one other thing, Huss, that I would mention, I mean, you never want to put people in jeopardy here, but um, should the Colorado Avalanche not advance from the second round for a fourth consecutive season? Um, I'm not sure what the job security would be like there. But again, I think that Jared Bednar has handled this situation incredibly well. I thought he was very calm and composed. Uh, he definitely was playing the uh, the the belief uh, soundtrack was definitely uh, in full force with his players and with himself and uh, quite frankly him saying that the only team that we feel can beat us is ourselves. Um, so I'll be very fascinated to see how that group responds. Obviously, just a dynamic performance from Nathan McKinnon in Game Five. Obviously, but uh, again, I'm not here to put anyone's job in in jeopardy here. How's funny stretch? But I mean, you just fired Jared Bednar. Uh, <laughs> you just fired Jared Benner. I can't believe he did that. Yeah. No. Hey, you, listen. you know that's my style. Huss. You know that's my style. It, it has to be mentioned because, um, I mean, listen, I think that's a realistic possibility. I mean, if they were to blow a 3-1 lead and not get out right. of this, like, there would be some serious questions. Otherwise, we're going to see McKinnon and McDavid go at it in the conference finals. Right. And every hockey fan will be, uh, be happy for it. Just as far as Trotz goes, do you have any... Um, any inkling on timeframes for all this? I mean, um, you know, certainly the Jets would like to get some sort of clarity because, I mean, if they are not going to get Barry Trotz, there's a number of other potential coaches that they'll be meeting with, and that could already be happening. Um, but from the Trotz side of things, is this going to play out for a long period of time, or do you think that they're, you know, in the next week or two, there'll be some clarity one way or the other? Yeah, so, I mean, this is, we've discussed this for the last couple of weeks here since it became a possibility, um, 
<laughs> I don't see this being a quick process. And as, as I mentioned, I mean, there's other opportunities to consider. I think that the Jets obviously are still a strong consideration for Barry Trotz. And if that were not the case, I think that we would have heard that by now and that um, you know, the, they would be moving on to plans B and C and, and whatever else. But it's clear that Barry Trotz remains the top priority for True North. Uh, he obviously has, is listening to the offer. Uh, I think he's giving it serious consideration. But, I mean, Barry's been around the league a long time. I mean, this is a guy that was, I think, what, 15 years in in, in Nashville. And, you know, if this if this if if he's approaching this as it's going to be potentially his last head coaching job, um, he's going to want to consider all options. And as I mentioned, I mean, Florida hasn't made their decision. And, you know, we don't know what's going to be happening on how the next couple of games go. So um, I know the Jets fans would like this done uh, two weeks ago or yesterday, but I think that the patience uh, element is still going to be required. Uh, I know you talked about him a little bit earlier this week and last week, I think also as well with Jeff Hamilton, our colleague and friend. Uh, Kirk Muller is a guy that I think is on the Jets radar as well. Um, and one thing that we should also maybe remember, Huss, which I had to go back to consult the old uh, notes, but um, I remember that in that first year after relocation, I think the Jets or True North had Kirk Muller in for an interview for the St. John's position. Um, I want to say that that was the case. Uh, Kirk Muller ultimately went to the Milwaukee Admirals instead that year. And then that's when he took over from Paul Maurice that same year. It was a you know a truncated season for Kirk at the minor league level. I think uh, I would, I'm pretty sure that Kirk would have impressed the the True North folks in that interview process. And I mean, Muller himself probably was hoping that he would be under consideration for the Jets job that year. But uh, I think what ended up happening is he may have been offered the um, ice caps job instead, and then opted for the Milwaukee Admirals. I mean, again, I'd have to go back and double check, but that that's my understanding of, like, I know they've spoken with him before. So uh, no surprise that there would be interest given, you know, his role on Daryl Sutter's staff with the Calgary Flames, but uh, we know there's other candidates. We know we've discussed most of them. Pascal, Vincent, Scott, or Neil would be among those folks that would be, you know, in the discussion. But um, another, you know, the other interesting one that Jeff was mentioning with, you know, Rick Bonus as a potential assistant. I mean, uh, Rick is a very passionate individual. Uh, you know, he has a history with the city. And um, if there's a vacancy coaching the defense, I think he would be a guy that would be under consideration. And I mean, I would also say that maybe Nolan Baumgartner might be a guy that would be. Uh, on under consideration for that as well. Nolan coaching with Claude Julian again at the World Championships with Canada. And man, I know we were both watching that game yesterday. What an impact for Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, Sorry to take a tangent, but uh, I mean, Nolan has worked with Claude Julian at a couple of events now, I think at the Olympics and now at the World Championship and had his chance to run his own bench at the the U18s as well. So obviously we know he's a former Moose captain and, and might be a guy that the organization could look at down the road. Um, as a potential assistant, but again, they got to hire the head guy first and sort of see where things go. But uh, I don't anticipate there being a press conference. Uh, let's just put it this way, Huss. I'm not anticipating a press conference on a Tuesday, for example. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what a dud that one was. Um, well, listen, you just mentioned Kirk Muller, and of course, he's now available to interview he after is, what yes. happened last night. We'll talk about the Oilers in a second, but. First off, where are you on this? Did the Flames get screwed? Blake well, Coleman's goal, should it have counted? 
Uh, I mean, personally, uh, I think that that's a that's a goal that I would like to see counted, uh, and not just because I picked the Calgary Flames to win the Stanley Cup in the pre-playoff Sportsnet predictions. Uh, I think that uh, to me, this is very. I mean, I first and foremost, Tuss. Uh, I thought the analysis from everyone on the panel, uh, especially Kevin Bieksa and Jennifer Botterill, uh, did just a great job of explaining the athlete's perspective. Um, I do think that uh, I'm, I'm not saying it was accidental that his skate hit the puck, but uh, I would like to see that counted as a goal. The other issue for me, Huss, distinct kicking motion. I mean, was it distinct? Not for me. Uh, was there a kicking motion of some kind? Sure. May, you could make that argument in super slow-mo. In real time, I mean, that looked like it would all happen pretty fast. And uh, the yard sale component when you're – right leg catches the pad of Mike Smith and your left leg is either headed uh, towards a groin pull or hitting the far post. Uh, do I think he made a conscious effort to make sure the puck got in? Yes. Is that a distinct kicking motion for me? No. Uh, love the Daryl Sutter quote. A distinct kicking motion is when you get kicked in the head. Um, <laughs> classic at the podium. Another, another here's terrible the thing for me. Thing. It, was, it was going in. The puck is going in. So uh, let me put it to you this way. The Calgary Flames are understandably up in arms that that goal was not allowed to count. Outside of like 10 seconds, do you think the Oilers would have been going bonkers if that had been allowed to count, saying that was obviously a distinct kicking motion? I don't think that for one second, that the, the Oilers would have been upset. Yes, of course, but they're not going nuts thinking, oh my God, we got the shaft on this one. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see that count, but here's the other thing. The team that was better in the series won the series. The Oilers deserved to win, but the game of hockey deserved a game six between those two teams in Edmonton because of the way Calgary worked to get that goal. Just an exceptional effort by Michael Backlund, who was the best forward for the Flames in this series. It was not any member of their top line. And it wasn't um, close. And it was not close. No, you're exactly right. Um Man, I mean, that to me, there's lots of question. I mean, Huss, you know, you know, you follow the Flames closely, uh, much like I do. Um, man, oh man, I mean, there's some tough decisions around the bend, and I mean, Matthew well, Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, Kachuk yeah, needs to I be mean, qualified at nine million a year, and yeah. I believe is ARB eligible. So you're figuring out that, and obviously his playoff performance, minus the uh, hat trick in game number yeah. one, I don't think really helped his cause. And you got Johnny Gaudreau able to leave for nothing right now. Yeah. And after a Hart Trophy level season that he put together, despite the playoffs, you know there's going to be big demand and big money on the table to get Johnny uh, maybe south of the border. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's sort of the thing about Kachuk. I mean, he, he had an amazing season, you know, 100, 100 points plus. I mean, uh, but that was a tough series for him. Um, there's no doubt about that. And Matthew is the kind of guy that when the games get tough, he elevates his game, generally speaking, and is in the middle of everything. And as you mentioned, us after the hat trick, it got a little bit too quiet um, for me and, and many others. I mean, that was, uh, I was not expecting that to be the case. I thought that he would be a pivotal player in this series and uh, he didn't reach the high standard that we're used to seeing from him. So, you know, and he's also one year away from unrestricted free agency. So the QO in this situation is, is not a tenable situation uh, for Brad Treleving and the Flames either. So and here's we also have to say this. I mean, people thought going into the series, Huss and myself included, that the Flames had a distinct advantage 
between the pipes, having a Vesna finalist and probably runner-up in Jacob Markstrom. Markstrom was, by all accounts, the second-best goalie in the series. And again, I don't know that it was that close uh, for all of the mishaps, including a 132-footer that happened to Mike Smith. He may not be, uh, you know, he may Smith be Smith in a bad goal every game of the series and was way better than the guy at the other end of the rink. Yeah, he made tons of great saves. He's very unorthodox. You would be probably, if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, you're probably nervous every oh. time the puck goes his way. <laughs> but he makes so many acrobatic and incredible saves. So, uh, man, it's just a, a strange series on a lot of fronts. And here's the other thing. We also know this, Huss, because of the limited amount of time that Chris Tanev spent in Winnipeg as a member of the Manitoba Moose. Uh, they missed him so badly. Uh, and, you know, playing with one arm or one shoulder or whatever it ended up being. I mean, I said going into the series that guys like Noah Hannafin and Oliver Shillington, their mobility and skating ability would put them in a good spot to kind of try to contain Connor McDavid. Uh, that, you know, that's a that's a room at the no chance motel for those two guys. Um, that was a tough series for both of them. And man, oh man, I mean, you can't can't say it enough. I mean, we talk all the time about McDavid and Drysaddle, who were exceptional. Um, Evander Kane, outstanding series, and Zach Hyman absolutely driving the bus uh, on the secondary scoring component for the Edmonton Oilers. He was he was fantastic. And hey, for all the folks, I'll be honest, us. I thought that Ryan Nugent Hopkins maybe got a little bit more AAV in term than I was expecting. He's been a great player for them for a long, long time. Man, he came up with uh, a big, big series as well. Well, game four, I mean, that was the yeah. huge game. And, you know, and I, as I said, I mean, Connor McDavid said he had a garbage game last night. and Which was awesome. Hang but, on, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt us. I mean, this is account of, this a level of accountability that you just don't see every day. And you know what? Here's the big thing for us. We've watched Connor McDavid for a long time. We saw how wound up he was in that series against the Jets. I love that moment. I love the snicker from Connor McDavid. And I love the fact that in case you didn't believe me the first time, I was bad in this game but guess what on a night where connor mcdavid was bad and the door swept ajar at the, to the disallowed goal i i wish i had said it on twitter but i'm thinking to myself if you're the flames you're thinking chances aren't very good that you're going to be able to keep 97 off the board <laughs> and lo and behold there's a turnover off the boards by hannafin dry gets it in front and good night wrap Came your head over. around these wrap your head around these numbers yeah. <laughs> Dreisaitl 17 points in five games in this series. In 12 playoff games, McDavid and Dreisaitl have combined for 52 points. I mean, this is, is it 1983, Ken? Because I, it, 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 it sort of looks, looks like, like it. it sometimes when those guys are out there. I'd maybe say even Mike 19, even after the Islanders, I'd even move this more into the 85, 86 sure. category <laughs> here. But oh my gosh. I mean, we saw how frustrated the Jets got uh, in the regular season last year when those two guys were absolutely on fire. Here's the thing. On the one night where the Flames limit Connor McDavid to a non-multiple point evening, oh, by the way, he's the guy that got open in the slot <laughs> and delivered the dagger. I mean, uh, it's just exceptional to watch. Um, those two guys are playing at just... The, the fact that Dreisaitl is playing as well as he is basically on one leg, uh, it's just absolutely incredible. But... That's the biggest difference with the Oilers. Those two guys have been great a lot. 
but they haven't had enough support from the secondary, uh, you know, the guys that are not on the marquee. And now they're getting that, and it's been impressive to watch. And Your boy Vander's looking pretty good. He's pushing <laughs> 12, a dozen goals so far. Um, you know, he, hey, if they can win this next round and make it to the cup final, I mean, it's not absurd to think that Evander Kane could be in the mix with Reggie Leach. I mean, we're talking about, listen, if he keeps Wild. going on and, you know, he's playing with some pretty good guys that are getting him quite a few opportunities. Anyways, I kind of joke. No, about it's been impressive. Guy, but... No, I there know. But I mean, here's the thing about Evander. Before <laughs> things kind of went off the rails here, the thing that people forget, Evander was an engaging guy here when he wanted to be, but he had checked out of Winnipeg almost as soon as he came in. Like, I mean, he had a great first, like 30 goals right out of the gate. It just, things went kind of sideways, but you know, I actually liked dealing with Evander Kane for a good chunk of the time that he was here. And uh, you know, when he was in Buffalo before his first game back, I went to Chicago for a game before they got here to talk with Evander Kane about it. And I mean, you know, he didn't love having the conversation, but I give him full marks for being open and, to have the dialogue and he was very quotable in that situation you know in his in in evander's own way like taking a couple of shots but at the same time he didn't say get lost he he dealt with the situation and then came here and then you know there you go played the game and that was it i mean uh he, he didn't say get lost it was the sharks that said get lost to him and to his credit i mean he and his agent identified that you know if he's going to have a true redemption story there is no better place to do it than riding shotgun with the best yeah. player in the world. And it's all coming together. It'll be fascinating to see what happens with him in the offseason. Ken, I want to talk to you about the series that you're covering and will be heading to, which, of course, is Denver, Colorado. Um, listen, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of days talking about just how incredible of a performance up against the wall the Blues had to come back from three goals down and then to come back again after that all-world end-to-end goal by Nate McKinnon and get this series back to St. Louis. I think they've got a lot of momentum coming into this game. I mean, I still think that Colorado comes out, but I'm not convinced that you won't be in person at a game <laughs> seven of this series deciding in one game who's going to face the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I would love to see a game seven uh, for personal reasons, for sure. Uh, fortunate that the folks at Sportsnet.ca are going to send me down uh, to cover the Western Conference final regardless. And if there is a game seven, I'll be hopping on the old bird uh, tomorrow afternoon to get to Denver for that game seven. Uh, you're right. This series has been fantastic. And uh, I know a lot of people kind of raise their eyebrows when I pick the blues in seven. And I mean, to me, it's just, they're just such a fascinating study. I mean, there have been so many times in the series, Huss, you've seen it. They've had, they've, they were being basically being carried by David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Bennington, and their power play. That's the reason why they stayed in it. I mean, they're all we talked about going into the series. Oh, well, Colorado has seven 20 goal scorers. Oh, but the blues have nine. And for like the first three and a half games, the Blues' secondary scoring was nowhere to be found. I mean, where was Vladimir Tarasenko? Where was Robert Thomas? I mean, Jordan Kyrie was the only other guy that had multiple goals for the St. Louis Blues. But they found a way to hang around. And then, bam, bam, there's Robert Thomas with the pair. There's Vladimir Tarasenko in the middle of everything. Craig Berube's done a great job of juggling his lines. And the one thing we haven't seen is a big goal from Braden Shen, who... You know, the Jets saw up close how impactful he can be in a series in 2019. So if you're Craig Berube, you're thinking Braden Shen is due for a big night. Uh, and the one other thing I want to say about the Blues, Huss, their defense, we talk about the, you know, Calgary trying to combat Dreisaitl and McDavid. The Blues defense core 
specifically Colton Pareko and Nick Letty have been doing a fantastic job of kind of limiting McKinnon. I mean, that's the thing. Those were McKinnon's first goals of the series, Huss. Uh, even though he had been involved, obviously, in the series, I mean, he really got himself going. Uh, but he's been held in check for, for long stretches of time. And then the other thing, Justin Falk, just an incredible job in his game. Kept the You know, he, he originally was credited with the goal that eventually went to Cairo in front. But his ability to do two things. He prevented Landeskog from having a clear path to the empty net, preventing the shot. And the second thing he did, his ability to knock down that puck with his skate before the Robert Thomas extra attacker equalizer, that, that's just an exceptional play. It was like a millimeter from going out of the zone. He knocked it out of the air with his foot, maintained his composure, got it over to Bushnevich, who got it to Tarasenko. Uh, and just what an incredible job by Justin Falk, who, I mean, a lot of people were wondering, the year that Petrangelo went into his UFA season, I mean, they brought in Falk, and they were kind of, people were kind of like, if you're bringing in Falk, you can't keep Petrangelo, who's the captain. Uh, he had a tough goal, but man, he's had a great year. Uh, for the Blues, and he's had an incredible series. And you got to give credit to Billy Huso. I mean, he had a couple of rough moments in these playoffs. He ended up making a couple of spe- – when that game was 3 nothing, Huss, it could have been 5 or 6 nothing. He kept them in the game and then maintained his composure after giving up that, you know, I don't even know what to call it. Let's just call it electrifying. But, like, that was like a superhuman uh, video game special where you go end-to-end, blow by somebody, the puck. The thing that's crazy – like in tight to be able to score and roof that shot is ridiculous. The puck rolled just at an angle and he batted it clean out of the air when it bounced. Like that was the incredible part about the shot. But I mean, McKinnon just cranked it up, but they need some of their other guys to get going here now too, Huss. I mean, there've been a couple of guys that have been a little quiet in that series. Their big guns have been good. Landeskog's been great. Miko Rantanen only has the one empty netter. He needs to get going. And honestly, Kale McCarr is a dynamic player. He's been held in check for the majority of this uh, series as well. And, I mean, it was a tough bounce, but, I mean, Robert Thomas was the closest guy to Kale McCarr. And, you know, as a young player, those things sometimes happen. It was bad luck. You couldn't have anticipated it going there. But, uh, you know, it it was his man that got the tying goal. So I expect McCarr and McKinnon to be outstanding, but they're going to need something from their secondary guys. Nichushkin, for me, needs to be a lot better. He's had some moments, but hasn't really got things going to that degree. Obviously, Nazem Kadri, after going through that absolutely horrendous situation, uh, what a series he's having. Uh, but they need some of their other guys to get move, moving, and they really miss Sam Girard uh, on the back end right now. Bo By- Bowen Byram has done a nice job, but Girard is such an impactful player for them. And again, we thought that the distinct advantage on defense would be with Colorado. And I would say they've been basically even in this series so far, despite the fact that Avalanche have a a Norris finalist in Makar and a guy in Devon Taves who was under consideration on many ballots as well. Ken Weeb's with us uh, for a Friday hit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Appreciate the uh, pumping up the likes. Yeah, by the way, if you do have the opportunity, hit that red, that, uh, that thumbs up button. Helps us spread the channel. And if you haven't already, make sure you hit the red subscribe button. And uh, as long as you're subscribed, you'll be eligible to win the marble race coming up in about half an hour or so, probably less than that coming up on today's show. Kenny, listen, I could talk NHL playoffs with you all day long, and we'll probably do more of it next week as you, uh, you know, be following the avalanche um, or potentially, I guess the blues going into the next round, but uh, do or die time tonight for the Winnipeg ice couple tough overtime losses. And then their first regulation loss in the series. And after such a brilliant season, 
it is uh, backs against the wall time tonight to try to get this series back to Winnipeg for a game six, 5 p.m. at the Ice Cave on Sunday. Uh, tall task against one hell of a hockey team, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Yeah, for sure, Hudson. Uh, we were down to do the preview show last Friday and then stayed for the game. Man, just a fun game all around on Friday. And I've been listening to Munzee's calls uh, on the road games here as well while I had the, you know, the Blues in the background. Uh, they played well at times. I mean, what we're finding right now is what we talked about going into the series. The the Oil Kings are a team that has already come of age, whereas the Ice are that team that is trying to come of age. There is a distinct uh, difference when it comes to experience and age on the teams. But uh, right now, uh, the Oil Kings' best players have just elevated a little bit. Obviously, Dylan Gunther's just been an absolute force in the series, and Caden Gooley has got himself going, and um, Carson Sordoff, I believe, also has just been, you know, that end-to-end goal or that great goal in the, in the overtime winner. I've really enjoyed his game, a really feisty, physical kind of player. Um, their depth has really shown well. I mean, the Ice have got some great depth as well, but losing Matthew Savoy uh, to what looked to be that, I mean, I don't upper, let's just call it upper body. I don't know if it's shoulder or whatever else, but uh, he was oh, on the shoulder. Of, I yeah, was at he, the game. It was yeah. a devastating hit. And, and then running into the linesman, right? I mean, yeah, just crazy. it was just so unfortunate. And the second that it happened, I said to the guy that I was with, I mean, oh man, that looks bad. And then sure enough, shortly afterwards, he was holding his shoulder and went right to the bench. And um, you pretty much knew that in a short series like this, it was going to be very, very difficult for one of the ice's best players to get back onto the ice. Yeah, I mean, and obviously they're going to miss a guy like uh, Savoy. I mean, we know we've talked about the depth all year long with the with the ice, but that's that's a serious blow. And, and he, at game one, he was so impactful, so engaged in the game. And I know the same for game two before he got hurt us, right? I mean, that's a guy who's been playing really well. Uh, Zach Benson had you know got their young guys are really playing like they're not young guys, um, but they missed Owen Peterson the day that he had to sit out. I mean, that was a tough you know with the suspension that was tough for them. Um, and yeah. I, also, too, we got to give credit to Gage Alexander. I mean, yes, obviously the game one turnover was costly, but for a guy who hadn't played since early March, I mean, he came in and shut the door 18 of 19 in game one. Uh, he's been uh, peppered uh, in the last two games here, but uh, really done a nice job between the pipes as well. But uh, right now they're going to have to uh, do their best to try to you know squeak one out and, and get the series back to home ice and sort of take their chances there. But uh, the the series has lived up to the hype us. We know it's been very well played by both sides and uh, we knew it was going to be a great battle of uh, kind of heavyweight boxers and, and they've, they've both been punching and counter punching. But uh, right now the oil Kings have a, you know, a little bit of an edge there, obviously. And uh, they've got three, uh, you know, three kicks to put, put the ice away. And I mean, I expect the ice to continue to battle the way they have all season long. Yeah, me too. I'm just hoping that we'll have a game on Sunday. I had such a great time last Saturday out at game number two and, um, you know, with the two, three, two format, this is the ice. This is the oil Kings chance to win on home ice. And if they don't get it done, there'll be two cracks for the ice to get it done, get it to seven first and foremost, and try and move on to the Western hockey league final. Another great story on the local hockey scene, Ken MJHL champion Dauphin Kings out of the Centennial cup. What a run they've had three Oh, and one their only blemish in the round. Robin was a shootout loss to the Flin Flon bombers. And now they've already booked their spot in the national championship semifinal tomorrow night. Flin Flon will have a game today in what it amounts to a quarterfinal. Um, but listen, I mean, they had that crazy series against the Steinbach Pistons to win the MJHL yeah. championship and then move on. And I'm not sure people expected this sort of like with the 10 team format and the Centennial Cup being bigger. Um, Listen, a very impressive week so far for the Manitoba representative at the Nationals. And uh, 
tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing what this team can do on the weekend and hopefully maybe get a shot at likely the Brooks Bandits, who seem to be a uh, perennial finalist in this event um, coming up on Sunday for, uh, for, for all the marbles. Yeah, it's great to see us as a, as a proud MJHL graduate myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to see the the program doing well. I mean, we knew the Dauphin had a good team this year, and that series, as you mentioned, I mean, for folks that were around and watching the uh, you know the Pistons and Kings go head to head, that sounded like it was just an absolutely fantastic series as well. Uh, we know how hard it is to win. Obviously, Portage uh, was able to get to the top of that mountain a few years ago, but uh, it's a tough ter- it's a tough trophy to win and. The Kings have positioned themselves nicely to take a solid crack at it. We know they got great goaltending. They've got a lot of depth themselves, and they seem to be uh, basically peaking at the right time. So uh, we know the folks up in the Parkland region would be fired up, and quite a few of them probably made their way to Estevan, and uh, should be just a fabulous end to uh, to a great tournament. Uh, no doubt. And then, of course, we've got the uh, the Worlds, and we kind of mentioned that quickly, <laughs> uh, but um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Adam Lowry's really had a great tournament as well, and I think this is, a, is an awesome opportunity for a guy that, you know, plays a certain role with this club, does exactly what is asked of him, um, and as I've been saying all week, I mean, hopefully there's no future opportunities to play in this event because hopefully they're busy playing in playoff <laughs> hockey for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, but overall... Uh, not that Pierre-Luc Dubois needed some sort of an international coming out party, but he has been a dominant force. Um, it's really been a great tournament for all the Jets players, including Nikolai Ehlers Danes, who actually beat Canada for the first time ever. Yeah, no doubt there'll be some bragging rights to be tossed around, and uh, you know that uh, Nikolai Ehlers would have enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah, you mentioned Adam. I mean, you know, some people were like, oh, Adam Lowry's going to the Worlds. Well, Adam Lowry's showing you why he went to the Worlds. He asked to play a specific role, has done a fantastic job doing it. Uh, I know that that whole debate about whether Adam Lowry is a fourth-line center or not, I mean, he's not. A, <laughs> he's more valuable than a fourth-line player, which is why teams like this, we know, yes, not everyone is available, but uh, Adam is doing a nice job in in a role that is not a fourth line center role. So uh, I don't anticipate him moving into one anytime soon. Uh, in terms of Dubois, his fingerprints were, you know, he's had a great tournament, but his fingerprints were all over that game in the rally. I mean, coming back from 3-0 down. I mean, one-timer, clap, slapper on the power play. And some folks may have missed it, but I mean, the reason that Matt Barzell backhand made it through is because Pierre-Luc Dubois picked the perfect time to subtly make his way through the vision path of Linus Allmark. I mean, that backhand's not going in unless Pierre-Luc Dubois provides the screen. I mean, uh, and then again, a secondary assist, fine. I mean, it's all Barzell with the pass for Batherson for the one-timer, but Dubois on the ice on the power play and trying to win the hockey game. So uh, doing a fantastic job there and, yeah, he's played great. And I, Huss, I got to tell you, I love the new graphics. They're looking, the, the chief technical officer has done an exceptional job. That, that WST looks absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I got to tell you, right? I'm sorry. I've been looking, I'm looking, I'm trying not to uh, lose my focus here, but I mean, those things are crisp, Remo. Absolutely crisp. Yeah, the CTO has really stepped it up heading into the weekend with some new additions <laughs> to the visual aspect. And if you're listening on the podcast, another reason to check out the YouTube show and hit that red subscribe button when you join us. Ken, you know, it's been a minute since uh, you and Sean have been back on the air. Do we have any wake-ups to dole out today heading into the weekend? Is, has there been a wake-up or two in the holster that, again, likes the new graphics? Exactly. Any wake-ups in the holster that need to be distributed here before uh, we get going for the weekend? 
Well, so far, Hassan, I'm going to be honest. Uh, the only wake up that's going to be delivered is one at myself because uh, barring a New York Rangers double victory or a St. Louis Blues completing the three in a row to win the series in seven, uh, I'm going to be a nice 0 for 4 bagel in my round two predictions. So the, we're not there yet. Still could get to two and two. But uh, so far, the only person warranting a wake up is the uh, person currently speaking. So. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to reserve the wake-ups for others and save them for myself. Uh, if if somehow those those things get to two and two, uh, I will escape the wake-up. Uh, but yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, we almost I had think... to give a wake-up to the entire Canadian Football League and the CFLPA <laughs> fair, if they didn't fair, get things fair. getting done. Yes, I mean, not, you know, I know you're spending most of the time on the hockey beat right now, but. Uh, Man, uh, a disaster averted somewhat. And um, now at least we've got some labor peace for the next seven years. Um, teams just got to make sure that they can pay the players everything that they've sort of <laughs> promised them. And uh, obviously that starts tonight with uh, with the Bombers in uh, in preseason action here against Edmonton at IG Field. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I would have said two days ago, I would have said the Blue Jays bats need a wake up us. But uh, mm-hmm. Vladimir Guerrero uh, got seems to be getting himself back in the groove and Bo Bichette came through a uh, a big win over Shohei Otani in uh, in Anaheim yesterday. So it seems as though that that's starting to get themselves going as well. But yeah, it's just it's it's a fun time to be around and covering sports. And uh, you know, we know that the pandemic has been tough and it has limited the travel. So the opportunity to potentially be out of Game Seven and then to be seeing Connor McDavid playing at the level he's playing at, along with Drysaitel and the entire Oilers team. Uh, I mean, this will be my first time back to the conference final since 2018. And I also was fortunate enough to cover it in 2016 for post media. So uh, just feeling really privileged us and uh, excited for a few more, a uh, few more tilts. Uh, well, well let's the, quickly touch weeks. on that. I mean, you're going to be heading out or leaving be for game seven or for the beginning of the conference finals one way or the other uh, out to Denver. Um, where well, I guess we'll be obviously reading content at sportsnet.ca. Yeah. Might we see, uh, might we see a Weebs world appearance on uh, any of the broadcasts when, <laughs> uh, when we turn the tube on? Well, we're hoping to be involved in the digital side for sure. Um, haven't heard uh, about any of the actual assignments or whatever, but I know Mark Spector and myself will be down there. Um, and covering the series as well, like I said. So hoping to maybe uh, bring get your nice half apparel old... suits. I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised that... if you turn up on the big screen at one of our uh, uh, local watering holes when we're watching yeah. these games. That's I, I have uh, three F apparel suits uh, already. This is, I mean, you know this about me. I much prefer to pack light. I pride myself on being able to stuff a 10 day road trip into a carry on bag. Uh, but with the potential, I do have three F, F apparel suits packed, and those do not fit in a carry-on bag. So I'm uh, going to have to be going with the checked luggage, but uh, definitely have the F suits and shirts available uh, at, at my disposal and uh, hope that they get seen, uh, whether it's uh, on the television or on the uh, .ca. And uh, Sean and I will also be doing a uh, conference final preview show, depending on how things play out on the weekend. That'll be either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, we'll we'll come out of your show on one of those two days and uh, try to keep the audience engaged for another hour and change. And as I mentioned, people will either be saying "good job getting back to two and two or they'll be making uh, open fun of me uh, for going over four in the second round. But us, uh, <laughs> you know, this is the beauty of the cool bet lines. Uh, in the first round, you go seven and one, and you're on top of the world, feeling great, and then you overthink things in the second round. Uh, which is what happened, appears to have been what happened to me. 
Uh, we should quickly say we didn't touch on the series because it was over so fast. Man, the Tampa Bay Lightning, what a what a job by the Tampa Bay Lightning. What a no-show um, by the Panthers, the highest scoring oh, no, no, team all yes, year. What did, they, yes. what did they get, three goals in the series? Not good. Vasilevsky, exceptional, but um, it's funny. The, the, the heart of the champion is alive and well, and Julian Brisebois just... Uh, a lot of folks, a lot of folks were wondering, oh, well, what about Nick Paul? What about Brandon Hagel? Well, as the series got tougher, those guys got very. A lot of the nights, Nick Paul was their most used player up front. So, uh, another another absolute uh, home run for for the Tampa Bay. Well, hey, like, let me ask you manager. just on Tampa while we're saying yeah. that. And, and listen, I mean, I I don't know about you. I mean, I think we're going to get a game seven between Carolina and the Rangers, and we'll yeah, see same. what happens. But I do think even without home ice, I think Tampa will be a favorite and and moves on to represent the East. Let's just assume for a minute it's Colorado and Edmonton in that final. I think all fans want to see that. McKinnon going up against McDavid. Regardless of who wins that series, you know, they'll come out having beaten a great team with world-class elite talent up front. I got to tell you, the more I look at Tampa and think about them as a playoff team in a potential Stanley Cup final, Mm -hmm. The difference between Vasilevsky and who's ever going to be in the other net is so significant. I would not at all would not at all be surprised if we're talking about the Lightning raising that trophy once again at the end of the playoffs. Yeah, so you know I'm a Metallica fan, and I would say right now on the Cool Bet line, you should be riding the Lightning. Um, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, and Huss, when the marble race is over, I would also uh, you know quick plug John Cooper was on. Uh, with uh, with Jeff Merrick on his show yesterday and was absolutely fantastic. So uh, once folks are finished up with the show and are ready to get into their weekend, check out that interview. Uh, John Cooper, one of the smartest guys in the NHL, one of the best guys to talk to, uh, and he is one of the best coaches in the NHL, and it is a travesty that he's never won the Jack Adams. Uh, but sorry to get on the buffet tangent. Uh, impressive. The, the fact that the Lightning did that without Braden Point, it was incredible. And you're oh, right, Vasilevsky was just... Uh, uh, out of his mind in that series again. There were long swaths where the Panthers dominated play, out shooting their opponent fifteen to three, I think, in one of them. Uh, but they weren't. They were the other. The only guys that scored were Tampa. Uh, love the way Tampa's playing. They've got so much depth. They've got great coaching. Uh, their structure is excellent. And man, oh man, you know, you leave Steven Stamkos open on the power play, and the one timer is as uh, deadly as ever. So uh, they will be tough to beat. And it's so funny. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about. Uh, vibes, you know, this is early '80s vibes. We touched on that earlier with the uh, Smythe Division, Division special. This is kind of like Islanders Oilers, right? If you think of it in some ways, Tampa's got some Islanders vibes, and the Oilers are kind of like the early Oilers. So, do you see that happening? Do you see the Avalanche happening? Do you see the Blues happening? Lots of great options. Uh, that's why we watch the games and enjoy them. Uh, should be uh, just an absolutely tremendous weekend. And as you mentioned, I mean. Uh, great to see football uh, back as well uh, after that potentially going off the rails as well. No doubt about it. Well, we're going to talk about it with Marshall Ferguson in just a sec. Weaver, travel safe. We'll talk to you next week and then let us know when you're doing the show. We'll make sure to let everyone know to join you guys after WST. Tremendous, my man. Uh, thanks to you for having me as always. Have a fantastic weekend and uh, we will be talking to you from one of Edmonton or St. Louis or Denver next just week. Wait for the gra- just wait for the graphics next <laughs> week, Weaver. you got to be ready for it. Thanks, buddy. Travel safe. There's Ken Weeb in Weeb's World. Hey, of course, we do have a deal. We've got preseason football tonight 
And at IG Field, you're going to be able to get the great taste of Canadian Club again. I imagine there'll be a few CCs and a few Jim Beams going down tonight. And of course, all season long. And you can also get the great taste of Canadian Club and ginger ale ready to drink right now at your favorite liquor store or um, or beer store. And don't forget about that tasting event for the Whiskey Festival next Wednesday, 7 to 9 p.m. at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame Sport for Life Center. Um, you can find out more on that event over at the Liquor Mart's website. And uh, hey, we'll be at the Princess Auto tailgate before the game tonight and throughout the year. Princess Auto, great sponsor of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. All right, let's talk a little football. We've got a deal. we got a game tonight. And we've got our guy Marsh back. Marshall Ferguson joins us on the program Marsh, what's going on? How are you and uh, how relieved are you that we're talking about games and not more labor negotiations? Uh, yeah, certainly more my wheelhouse, I think would be the first thing that I would think and say. But yeah, it's, uh, it's it was really nice to get in the car and drive to a stadium knowing that I was going to be calling a game tonight. And I will say this as well, as you're talking about IG Field and everything around Winnipeg there, my only goal for the entire night is to outplay-by-play Derek Taylor. If I do that, I don't care what else happens for the remainder of the evening. We are in a duel with talking heads tonight, and hopefully I will be able to get the best of him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it feels, it feels tremendous to have a deal done and to, and to get an opportunity to call games again, for sure. Well, uh, and, and you know what I mean? Coach, quickly, fill us in on uh, what the plan is for the year. I mean, who you're calling for, when we'll be able to see you, and uh, where can people go back and forth between you and DT and, uh, you know, give you guys the uh, bragging rights that are deserved? Yeah, so DT's over on his new home on 680 CJOB, of course, and then I'll be on the CFL and TSN tonight. Got a couple more games lined up through the first month of June, but tonight's uh, a nice way to kind of knock off the dust a little bit and celebrate being back in the booth and working with Dwayne Ford for most of the games that I do. I just saw Matthew Shinetti because I just got to the stadium. He's down on the field, so I'll be doing it with him tonight. Claire Hanna will be sideline reporter with us for a lot of the games throughout the year when we're in Ottawa, so... Um, it's a really good crew up here in the Ottawa games, and it's thankfully we have interesting games to talk about now because Ottawa last year, a couple of games they did, there wasn't much meat to kind of chew off that bone, and this year they've got a ton of free agents and Masoli's here and on and on and on. So uh, I'm looking forward to being up here and to calling a couple more games uh, in, in the near future, and uh, I just I'm excited to see how these divisions shake out because. I learned last year, as I predicted Edmonton potentially being a Grey Cup favorite, that any prediction made in the preseason is one that you should not hold yourself to by the time that you get to Canada Day, let alone Labor Day, let alone the playoffs, because this league can change so fast. And the thing I always think about, too, with the Ottawa Red Blacks is that last year they were in the playoff hunt, like funny years, but they were in the playoff hunt right up until about week 13 or so of the season. They were out of it for such a long time, but the East Division just never went away from them. And there was always the potential for them to slide in somewhere on the back door and get the third spot. So for everything that we say, well, this is a must-win game. It's week five. The thing I love about the CFL is that a team like Ottawa that's rebuilding here, they are going to have endless opportunities to fight their way back into the conversation of being a playoff team. And then, as you know, also you get into the playoffs in the CFL, it's a three-game sprint. And if you get the bye, it's the two-game sprint, which is even crazier. So... Uh, there's going to be a lot of good football, I think, played this year because training camps, from what I've seen, have been pretty productive. You know, Naylor uh, was on with us earlier this week, and I think he described the Ottawa Red Blacks as like the best expansion team ever because in a lot of ways they are. <laughs> They've added so many new players and certainly have way more talent. We'll see what Lapo can do with that, although I did see the Lions opening for week one. 
and they are a 10 and a half point underdog to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So we'll see how that kind of progresses as we get closer to it. Hey, just before we talk about everything else in the league, like on the field, as a, you know, as a Canadian player and someone that has grown up in the three down game and is very close to it, uh, what, what were you, what was your reaction to what we're hearing about the ratio and what did you think about where things ended up being settled at for the next seven years of this deal? Yeah, I think there were so many elements to it, right? And the biggest thing that jumped out to me that really struck home with me was obviously I have a lot of friends who were still playing in the league, guys that I played with at McMaster, uh, Danny Vandervoort in Edmonton, Declan Cross in Toronto, Mike Daly isn't signed right now, but former Hamilton Tiger Cat, of course. And I mean, there's guys sprinkled in all over the place. And I, the question I kept asking them, because we kept seeing the reporting by Dave and Farhan and it was the idea that, well, the Canadians are holding this up and it's Canadians versus Americans. And I started talking to some American players and them saying, well, it's not really that way. Like, that's kind of the way it's being framed, but that's not how we really feel in the locker room, at least not most of us. There's always going to be the odd person who views it that way. But then when I started talking to the Canadian guys that I know pretty well, I said, how much responsibility? Because I think this really cuts through all of the, the BS to get to the real point of why this was a sticking point. I asked them, how much responsibility do you feel as a Canadian player to vote so that you maintain the ratio for future generations of Canadian players, because guys weren't just voting for themselves. They, they could have voted in a way that said, well, we'll allow you to keep the ratio the same for two years. And then maybe down the road, it gets lesser. And the Canadian players were still saying, we don't want that. We don't. And again, they ended up kind of bending a little bit and flexing and finding out that that wasn't going to be a reality because of the way the CFL was negotiating it. But that was really the sticking point. That was what guys were hung up on was that they had a sense of responsibility. And I actually think that's pretty honorable to be real. Like, cause the Canadian guys looking out for future generations of players that they don't even know guys that they're not even going to be playing with. And I think that that speaks to the tight knit culture of what the real true Canadian football fans believe the league should be about. Again, with that being said, I do think that there's been some devaluation of the Canadian role as it stands with the CBA that was signed, but I'm as happy as anybody that the CBA was signed because I didn't want to go through that last night where it came back as a no vote and I'm not in Ottawa today. So uh, it kind of got to that point where they had to make a decision. And if that was the decision that was made, then yeah, let's go forward and play football. Um, although I did find it interesting that the league threw in the two additional draft picks at the end of the second round for the team that uses the highest percentage of Canadian players while also slowly taking away Canadian players off of the field. So it's like, we'll give you extra players to put on your roster that you can use more because apparently you like using them. Also, there's less spots to play those players. So a bit of a catch-22 on that one, a little bit confusing. I think the average fan is going to be confused by the 49% rule. I think the, the passionate fan is going to be confused by the 49% rule. I think that people that are watching at home are not going to be able to keep tabs on that. I've talked to people in football operations well, for different teams. They say it's a headache. They don't even know how to track it in the game. So well, that's my question. I mean, I, I was actually wanted to get to that before we got out. I mean, okay, great. I mean, you figured this out. I mean, is there going to be like another few jobs created that basically all you're doing is focusing on who's Canadian, who's American on every snap and having rolling snap counts and essentially percentages for coaches. I mean, that to me seems like a little bit of a nightmare just logistically to manage. We do this more complicated than we need to always. Like I remember when the naturalized American came in essentially in the last CBA and I talked to people in the league. I talked to people on the teams. I talked to players and they all said, 
this is not what this was intended to be when we sat down. We, we went to bargaining in good faith that we were supposed to have this idea of, hey, if you've been around for a little while, let's reward those guys, give them extra opportunities, a little bit extra money. And it just got bastardized into something that the league and the teams never expected. And this is exactly what's happened again with the 49% rule. We went in with this idea that, hey, let's, let's craft the league so that we can get players onto the field that'll make plays. But now let's do it in the most convoluted way possible where we as, this is the thing I find frustrating personally, is that we as broadcasters have no way to be able to communicate this to the viewers that if they're watching in the fourth quarter and there's damn near no Canadians on the field and people start tweeting at us saying, hey, what's going on with the roster allocation? We're like, I don't know. I guess we'll wait for the league to review player participation files on Tuesday. And that's that's tough for fans. And, and so I do think it's more confusing than it needs to be. I know Naylor has said this as well. Like it's, It doesn't need to be this complicated. It probably could have just been the normal ratio plus the one nationalized American, naturalized American. And uh, But the, the league was pushing back and the players weren't going to budge. And so we ended up getting this kind of in-between role where it could be down to, as Derek Taylor has said to me, five and a half Canadians. I mean, that's really what it means because if you're going to end up having that 50% and I think you're going to see it in substitution packages more than anything else. I don't think there'll be people that will wait until the third quarter of games and then just rip a Canadian off the field. I think you'll see teams that will say second and long, we're going with our monsters up front or defensive linemen that are from Texas, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, UCLA, USC. Like they're going to start throwing those guys into the fray. If they're situational pass rushers and they get to ignore the ratio on those downs, I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing. So, again, how we communicate that, how we make that clear to the fan, enjoyable to the fan, I don't think we know. And I also know from somebody I talked to in football operations for a team today, they said our football ops salary cap didn't go up, and now we're expected to have a person in the booth that's tracking things in the game. Like, we've, we've created twice as much work for ourselves in-game, and we don't have any more budget to be able to do these kind of things. That wasn't addressed in the CBA. And this person that I spoke to actually said, what really concerns them in the big picture is that the people that are in charge of trying to guide the league forward for the near future, they're the ones that came up with the 49% rule. And that concerns him because he says, if this is their idea of how to try and fix an issue, think of the other issues that we got to work our way through. So labor peace for seven years. I'm a fan. Everyone is happy that we don't have to go through this for a while. The idea that they've left the door open for the league to institute more American influence over Canadian players, quote unquote, if it's working, uh, I don't know how we judge if it's working. And I do know that when you put something in a contract that says somebody has the ability to flex on you by their discretion, they're going to flex on you. So that's a little concerning for you. No doubt about it. Marsh, well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm with you. I'm happy that it's done. Um, I say sort of good luck with that to you and everyone else that has to deal with the way that it's come out. But thank God we've got the three-down game. And I'll have to get in PG's ear and see if we can get you on a schedule to do a game out here at IG Field. And uh, we'll give you, we'll roll the red carpet out for you when you get out here to the peg. <laughs> have a great call tonight, and thanks so much for doing this. I don't deserve the red carpet, but thank you. I would love to call a game out there in Winnipeg. I, I do have Winnipeg at Ottawa in week two of the season, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that shakes out. But great to be one with you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a good weekend, Marsh. There it is, uh, Marshall Ferguson. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Marsh, and he'll have the uh, call tonight on TSN, not from here, but from Ottawa, as he mentioned, uh, Argos and Red Blacks kicking off TSN's coverage. Bombers will be on TV next Tuesday. 
Bombers versus Riders. As you heard, Dustin Nielsen, who joined us earlier today on the program, talking mostly Oilers. He will be the voice for, I'd say, probably the majority of Western games this year. Certainly will be here quite a bit, and um, he'll be in Regina for the Bombers' second preseason game. All right, a couple things we have to get to do. Uh, cool bet lines, marble race. You know what that means, folks. Get ready. We'll uh, let you know when we're opening up the uh, the registration but I do want to say what's up to our friends at Assiniboia Downs and let you know the countdown is on till Tuesday night and the official opening, finally, of live racing once again at Assiniboia Downs. They'll be going on a consistent schedule of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday throughout the year, but the season will start on Tuesday. The Prime Rib Buffet is back and so much more. Uh, and, of course, if you want to bet on the weekend – or remotely on a Cinnaboya Downs, open an account at hpibet.com to take care of all of that for you. All right, uh, we will get to the cool bet lines. Let's get Remus back in here because we've been uh, at a very busy show. Talked a little football with Farhan and March at the beginning and the end of the program and some real good hockey talk with Nick, with Dustin Nielsen, and of course, a uh, quite a trip to the buffet with uh, with our main man, Ken Weep. What a show. Uh, we don't usually jam in uh, this many guests, but we we have uh, done a bit more lately. And Farhan, some good intel at the beginning of the show. We want to show off the graphics. We want we, to show off the new graphics. Got, Basically, the, the talk of the chat room and even the guests today. It, it's actually looking amazing. I will say, if you were trying to look for the scheduled stream on YouTube today, you didn't see it till 10 minutes before it was supposed to air. That is why, because I was making sure the shades of... All the colors were accurate and the sizing lined up appropriately. Um, took me way too long, but I was happy to have something I can put on the screen. Just like a headline is what we're what we're talking about. So I was having some fun. I was going to put a poop emoji on there at one point um, when Nick said <laughs> the Panthers played like the poop emoji, but I couldn't quite find one. So uh, hopefully we can have some more like on-screen stuff as we go. Well, uh, we have a situation, people, and that situation is a marble race coming up. Now, if you are new to the channel, we've had a lot of new folks kind of find us and uh, jump on the uh, WST train over the last few weeks. This is the most fun part of the entire week uh, because we've got a great chance for you all to win uh, our version of the Masters Green Jacket, the uh, Blue Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie, and uh, our defending champion, Tristan Rivers Music, if you haven't seen the intro, um, anyways, it was very eventful week last week, but uh, we've got another big one coming up right now. Um, Remo, you want to maybe open up the um, open yeah, up the registration? I have to because people are typing it and it's not open. So it's not open yet, folks. Come down, come calm down. I see, it just takes one person to, to trick everyone, and everyone but thinks it, that you, it's happening. It's These not are happening. All unsuccessful. These are all unsuccessful. Yeah, um, I mean, it's good, I guess for, it's good for the chat, I guess. Good for the chat analytics, I think, yeah. It's going to help, you know, people think, oh, everyone's talking in this chat. There must be something something good happening. Okay, now it's open now. Okay, so now it is open. Exclamation mark yeah, marbles. Good. If you did it before, it doesn't matter. It won't work. Now it is open. There you go. Frosty Winnipeg, the first one that did it at the right time. J, Mark, Earl, Dunk Dynasty, I see Russ, everyone getting in. And again, folks, the only thing we ask, obviously everything's free, but uh, got to be subscribed to the channel to win. 
So make sure if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button for the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube channel if you're with us. And then get in there, put in exclamation mark marbles. We will grab the names and we'll uh, we'll put them in and uh, we'll drop the marbles in just a second. While we do that and while everyone enters, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. And we've got this big game six between the Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. Avalanche minus 167 road favorites. The Blues plus 146 is the home dog. And I got to tell you, and we talked about this earlier today on the lock shop. I really feel like this is close to a pick em game. I think the value certainly is on the home underdog in the St. Louis Blues coming out with a ton of momentum after the way they won game number five in Denver and got the series back to St. Louis. And I think the crowd will be a factor tonight as well. I uh, I think I'm going to lean on a small play on the Blues tonight. Uh, and hopefully that happens because then we'll get game seven as well. And speaking of game seven, if we're going to get one of those between the Canes and the Rangers, the Rangers are going to need to continue holding serve on home ice and get it back to Carolina. Straight up pick them. Canes minus 109, Rangers minus 108 for tomorrow's game six in the East. That game's starting at 7 o'clock p.m. And with the Oilers winning last night, we've got updated Stanley Cup odds. Colorado plus 140, the Tampa Bay Lightning plus 245, Carolina and Edmonton both at plus 475, Rangers 27 to 1, and the St. Louis Blues 50 to 1. Uh, one other Big game tonight, playoff style, is the Celtics and the Heat in the NBA. Celtics, eight and a half point favorites. I think they cruise and book their ticket to take on the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals tonight. You can also, of course, bet on the Formula One weekend. I believe they're in Monaco. And uh, French Open, lots of Canadians still going. Felix Auger-Aliassime and Leila Annie Fernandez, both on to the fourth round at Roland Garros. It's all there for you at coolbet.com. And if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. All right, great stuff. We got the cool bet lines. And again, if you missed the lock shop earlier today, check it out on the podcast or go to my Twitter feed or Dustin Nielsen's Twitter feed. The video is all there for you. And uh, there you go, Remus, right on. Marbles to enter the race. Um, I think we've given up everyone time. Last, yeah. uh, last call right sure. now. Sure. Before we get into it, I'll touch on a couple things. I saw this floating around on social media this morning. It was a trailer for an Avs Red Wings rivalry documentary from ESPN under E60, not under 30 for 30. Not that it you know makes a difference, but um, everyone very hyped up for that. I can't wait to see it being released sometime in June. The part that I found the most interesting, I might be wrong, that the original trailer was posted by Twitter user. This is who leaked the video. Twitter user Amanda Marie underscore 19. How she got access to this low quality trailer. Um, it looked like it was filmed by a cell phone on a screen. Um, she, she got like 371,000 likes. Shout out to John Butchergrass who put it out for ESPN later today. Um, I uh, so I don't know what you, there I've was watched. No, I've watched this three times already. There was, I am so I, I, I the anticipation for this will be more than just about anything when it comes to documentaries for hockey fans. I mean, this was the great rivalry between two championship teams, marred by some of the most vicious hits, fights, you name it. 
um, and to hear about it from the those that were involved. Um, this is going to be must watch for hockey fans. I cannot wait to see this. This is like last dance esque uh, level of anticipation. If you remember the Bulls documentary from a couple years ago, I agree. This is what everyone has been waiting for since they announced um, what announced that. Uh, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, when they announced, you know, that 30 for 30 was a thing. They're like, okay, you got to yep. do Avs, you got to do Avs Red Wings. And it uh, looks like they're finally uh, going to come out with that. And I was just shocked. Maybe it's just me. I was just shocked. The original trailer, well, there wasn't a big ESPN press release or like an article. I thought it was like a fan-made trailer. But Angela no. Angela 19 on Twitter. Uh, what's her name? to the people. Amanda Marie 19. I don't know if she had authorization or what, but apparently the uh, Darren Dreger of releasing trailers for um, sports documentaries. I did want to touch on that. Um, I want to give a couple of shout outs to a couple of YouTube commenters. I love reading the comments. Please. One, one commenter said they had some fence repairs done. Call, who do they call? Wallace and Wallace. And Beautiful. One, Appreciate you guys all supporting our sponsors. That's yeah. amazing. And then there was another one who said that, um, oh yeah, they needed a book. And they uh, got Terry Ryan's book. We had him on uh, a couple weeks ago PR. talking about Shorzy. So, uh, I <laughs> give, guess us we're the, having... give us the book review on that. Uh, say Terry yeah. Ryan is such a character. We got to get him back soon. And I know there's been some Shorzy viewers. I know Kabilis has been all over it. I think he was tweeting or putting something out about that on Instagram. So uh, Shorzy reviews also welcome in the chat. But uh, what really is happening in the chat right now will be the ups and downs of the way we finish a week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk with the Marbles race. So Remus is, uh, uh, grab the names or basically we're in the process of grabbing yeah, the names. Yeah, I closed it. The, it is closed. Shout out to everyone that entered. Um, if for whatever reason you did not enter, well, you're going to get a chance to hang around and see exactly what happens. And then you'll be kicking yourself for not having a little skin in the game for the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Um, and just while Remus does that as well, I will fill you in on uh, uh, some plans. We are going to be trying to get out and do some shows um, outside of the WST studios. Uh, met with our friends at Little Brown Jug yesterday. Had a couple 1919s and tried the cider. Amazing. Um, but later on in June, we'll confirm the date. Uh, we will do our regular live show from 1 until 3 at Little Brown Jug. And then hopefully it'll be a nice day and can maybe kick it on the patio, meet some of, uh, of you guys and have a little bit of a get-together as well on a Friday afternoon. So we'll give you guys plenty of uh, time. It'll probably be later on in June on a Friday afternoon. And hey, if you got the opportunity to uh, maybe take off the afternoon one day from work, make it that day. Join us at Little Brown Jug down in the exchange on the William Avenue. And uh, we'll have a couple to uh, get into the weekend. Um, but speaking of getting into the weekend, the weekend doesn't start on Winnipeg Sports Talk until the marbles are dropped. Uh, Remo, how many names do we have today? And who else should we should we add in hey, uh, to, uh, to so the operation? We have... a. 132 names, but there's one user in the chat who doesn't have like a username. It's just blank, so I can't I can't enter them because it's blank. So uh, hmm. yeah, how do I? Uh, so it doesn't blank. show up. It doesn't show up. They got a blank. They got a blank name. So we got 131. So um, whoever does that, you might want to change for next week to at least have yeah. something and to was, identify yourself. I did see this person in the chat earlier. They said. I listened to the podcast. I'm so excited for the marble race. And I was like, I, you don't have a name. I can't, I can't put, put you in. 
So <laughs> I don't know if they saw that message, but giving a shout out to that person, uh, hopefully they are listening and they know, know who they are. Um, we have had a lot of people saying they want Ray Liotta, who passed away sure, yesterday. Sure, we can put Ray in. Let's put Ray that in. That was sad, sad news for Ray Liotta. Um, I referenced his classic, not his classic movie like uh, the mob ones, but Observe and Report with Seth Rogen from 2007. Very, uh, no one really knows about it, but uh, he's quite good in that movie. That's my... Yeah, of course and no one knows also about Also the it. voice of, uh, in main character in GTA Vice City. So that's oh. another, yeah, there you go. Okay, now, 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 you've, now you've hit mm-hmm. something that I can, uh, I can relate with. Big fan of the, uh, the GTA series. Yes. Um, so let's get Weber in there. Yeah. Let's get a marble for Marsh. Let's sure. get a marble for Dusty. Yeah. Uh, and let's get a marble for Barry Trotz. And I think Barry Trotz needs to go in as in all caps because Trotz <laughs> oh, Watch oh. continues. And if all caps Barry Trotz wins the marble race, folks, I think it's a sign. It is a sign that that maybe it is going to be happening. Uh, again, if you missed the Trotz Watch segment, we talked about it with Ken later on. Um, as expected, certainly from you know the most respected insiders, this wasn't going to be a quick decision. Barry Trot's still working on things. Jet's still very much involved in the consideration process, but I'd imagine the Jets are going to sort of start working on uh, on a few of their uh, other candidates as well. Oh. Although still hoping to uh, get their big fish in the number one choice signed to a, a contract at some point soon. Okay, someone else. Said Blake Coleman skate. Show it to Miller time. Blake Coleman skate. <laughs> sure. I like sure. that Miller time. That's a that good one. That's said, a good We're after three, so we should get things up and get going. Yeah, I'll fire it up here. Uh, Where are we going to go to today? What uh, what track? We've had a few wild di- and different tracks over we've the had some of good this last few weeks. Oh, let me save this thing. I'll put it out. I do want to give a shout out as well. Uh, Nick Alberga, who we had on before, had a mighty ducks d2 poster which got some love in the chat i enjoyed it and then someone's like why would anyone have that i'm like hey man i think that's a sweet poster and i said coming from a guy who has a framed kindergarten cop movie (laughs) poster down here so i'm i'm all in i'm like what the hell is going on i'm all in on the weird decision making process to frame a kindergarten cop poster was uh i would love to have been back and See exactly what's that going on. Folks, if you haven't already, make sure you do hit that thumbs up button. And again, uh, make sure you're subscribed, red button, and uh, join us here each and every day at 1 p.m. Central. Um, All right, the CTO, dominating performance today with the new graphics. Everyone's all horny for those. Ken Weave couldn't believe it. And now we move on to to the true technical genius of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And that, of course, is the marble race. Uh, Remote, fill us in on uh, the track today. What's going on? Well, come on. Before we get to the track. Oh, the the defending champion, Tristan Rivers Music with the marbles theme on WST.
All right, right, here we are. The WST Marble Stadium ready to uh to drop the marble. Shout out to everyone. And uh, uh my pals uh Bose and Ross who are going head to head. I think they have a weekly bet on who does better. I think Ross is 4-0 or 5-0 against Shorn. So um maybe Shorn this could be the day. I'm not sure whether you pushed, whether you've been doubling or nothing, but uh you're due. You're due to beat Ross at least, uh, maybe not anybody else. Um what about the dojo, Reem? Sure, the dojo. Have, we can. Have do we ever done that one? Yeah, I think you know. I think we're at the point where we've done a lot of them. Okay, well, you'd know better than me. I never yeah. remember the dojo. I but, don't. Uh, I don't care. I like the name, the dojo. We got 137 marbles going to be thrown in there. So, I mean, I'm happy with the dojo. Let's try it out. Sportball skins just got an upgrade along with new sport modifiers. All right, we are in the dojo of WST. This is the weekly marble race. First place gets a WST hoodie. I believe we've got pretty much all the sizes. Uh, if you do win, hit us up with an email afterwards at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We'll arrange to get it to you. And the last marble across the finish line successfully will hook you up with the uh, ice cream cake from our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ at any one of their four Winnipeg locations. All right, Remo, it looks like we're ready to go. It was a great week, a shorter week, but another great sports weekend coming up. But it doesn't start until we drop the marbles on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's make it happen. All right. I see Turd Ferguson is on me for that kindergarten cop poster. I don't know if you... It's, it's a bunch of kids hanging on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on. <laughs> Pretty sick poster, if you ask me. This is a dark Dermot, one, though. Dermot Crotty with a nice start. Bartholomew is in the mix. XX Rev. Larry TSG, oh, Lynn Reimer and Paul Carr eliminated early. Oh, Christopher Met, Mike Wynn, tacos or sandwiches thrown over the top rope early. Oh, there goes Jet Oil Tom. Pie Boy and Bartholomew looking pretty good. Robert Paul out, Larry TSG out. Oh, wow. Oh. The dojo, it's the dojo is eliminating. Yeah, exactly. It is raining marbles right now. Uh, a, a, the dojo it's going to be maybe a war of attrition right now. I mean, the big thing is just to not get thrown over the top rope. There's been plenty of that right now. Bartholomew and B.A. Booger and XX Revolution are in the mix right now. Oh, big move by, uh, uh, looks like Bartholomew right now. Looking pretty darn good. A nice, comfortable lead. But as we've seen, this is a very dangerous, very dangerous one. Oh, the dark side just went over the top rope. Bartholomew just trying to, oh, Mike Cochran almost got pushed over the edge, but he is not. Bartholomew still in the lead right now. Tristan Rivers' music just appeared kind of out of nowhere there. Ross Ransby, there's Ross. Where, where's Shorn? Bravo, Bry, Theo Seegers right now, but Bartholomew still in the lead, although many more marbles sort of in the mix right now. Bartholomew going into... An interesting port. I mean, again, yeah, I don't think we've done this one, the dojo, oh, ever before. Oh, wait, I actually didn't select the dojo. My bad. This is the Devil's Chaos. I must oh, have not clicked it. That makes Devil's more sense. Devil's Chaos. I got you. That, that makes see. more sense. Oh, it's tightening up right now. Shane Mason's in the mix. Jano and Ross Ransby all there. Miller time. Mark A as well. Shane Mason. I believe Shane. Oh, Shane's over the top rope. Oh. Mark A, Brent G. Could Mark do it? Is Mark going to get it? No! Oh, Mark A, so close. Just was not able to get in. Brent Brent G looks like it's Brent's to take home. 
as long as he can safely maneuver from the track into the bumper. Brent G is our winner. Brent, another first-time winner on WST. Congratulations. So, Brent, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and that will arrange for a time. We'll get your size, first of all. Let us know what size of hoodie you take, and we'll set a time for you to come over and pick it up. And now, Remo, I don't know how many marbles are actually left, to be honest with you, right now, because there's been so many DQs or TKOs, if you will, eliminations for you wrestling fans. And now we'll see how long this goes before things get burned up. But there is a lot of marbles back here. Oh, Pretty Pionk stuck up there right now. Larry Eloy. Just took this long to get 10 marbles into the hopper. This was a uh, a tale of a trail of destruction today. There's Marshall Ferguson. He ended up making it through. There's yeah, so a Barry Trotz in all caps uh, is in there. Oh, good. Had a boy, Barry. At least Barry finished. Or he's going yeah, to yeah. Finish. that's a good sign. That's a good yeah, sign. We yeah, can he, run he, with he that. didn't get thrown over the top rope. You know, that's well, we'll take that. We'll take that right now. Uh, I see Mitch in there. Mrs. Ennis. I have a feeling we're going to start getting, oh, yeah, here comes the fire. How many marbles get burned up and how many actually make it into the hopper? Remember, the last marble to successfully get in to the hopper will win, but it looks like a few are getting burned up right now. Mark, will Mike get in or will Mike get burned? I think Mike Ladarni is the winner of the ice cream cake. Uh, so Brent G, congratulations. You are the winner, the first-time winner. Great to have you with us at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Hit us up with the email. We'll get you set up. And then Remo, cruise down to the bottom. Let's just confirm who the last successful marble to get in was before everyone else got taken out. Yeah, I thought Bartholomew was going to take this one. I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he got eliminated before the There finish. was a lot of pitfalls. Yeah, and then Mike Ladarni. So, Mike, send us an email as well. Um, WinnipegSportsTalk at gmail.com. Maybe put your phone number in uh, in it and let us know which of the four Nick and Nikki DQs that you'd like to pick up from Niverville, Northgate, Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's. Oh, another great marble race. Thanks to everyone for participating. Congratulations to Brent and Mike, today's winners. Um, Remo, what's up for the weekend? Oh, no man. We no weddings this week? No, I got a week off before uh, all my stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything. I'll be enjoying some hockey. I will try to catch up on uh, Better Call Saul. It was the mid-season finale, but that's in the evening. I'm going to try to get outside and uh, How maybe many hit trips a patio. To the zoo? How many trips to the zoo? Well, planned? I'll, I'm not going to the zoo next week. Uh, the dinosaurs come back on Wednesday. They're back. They're back Wednesday, June 1st. But if you're a member, you get a sneak peek. So uh, I may be going for the sneak peek with the dino. Wow. Are you going to bring your kid or is this just a solo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, just for me. Yeah, not, not you. Thank you. <laughs> He's really turned yeah. into a dinosaur guy. Yeah, folks. I'm, what can yeah, I tell you? I, I'm all about dinos now. He's rubbed off of me. I'm watching the new dino special on Apple TV plus, uh, check that one out if you haven't, but, uh, I got a lot of TV, but I'm trying to get outside, maybe get a bike in at a patio. Go for no dinner. doubt. Well, you know what? I would suggest doing as much as you can of it today, folks. Cause it looks like we're going to have like some pretty nice temperatures, but showers for the next three or four days. So, uh, 
Hey, whatever. Welcome to the peg. It hasn't been great for a while. Hopefully we'll get some nice extended, nice weather coming up soon. We might have to wait a few days for it as well. Hey, another great week on WST. Thanks to everyone that's with us. Thanks to all the new listeners, viewers, and subscribers. As we hit 7,000 earlier on YouTube this week, a big milestone onwards and upwards. And thanks to all the guests. This is a busy show today. Farhan jumping off the start. Uh, Nick, of course, at the Golden Muzzy. Quick hookup with my guy, Dustin Nielsen. Don't forget, new lock shops out and available right now. And then, of course, a buffet trip with Kenny Weeb and a little more football tonight, uh, getting ready for tonight's preseason kickoff with Marshall Ferguson. Hey, give a good luck to our guy, Derek Taylor. First broadcast on OB tonight, filling the size 22s of the legendary Bob Irving. Hope that goes well. And uh, maybe we'll see some of you guys out at the game tonight. I'll be there. Zach Caleros won't be playing. It'll be the rest of the quarterback depth chart probably see a little bit of Zach maybe next Tuesday, but uh, it'd be great to get out to the game, see some familiar faces, maybe have a CC or two and get this weekend going. Of course, the one thing I can guarantee you is that we'll be back here at one o'clock on Monday, wrapping up the entire weekend, letting you know what's happening with the ice, the Dauphin Kings at the Centennial Cup. And of course, the latest in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a recap of tonight's bomber preseason game and a look ahead to the game on Tuesday with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Regina. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day and your week, and we'll catch you on Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 